0: Thanks Dan, Um, thanks for uh, coming on and having a chat, I think I think for for myself and Paul, you kind of bring together a mutual interest in terms of um, sandbag work in particular but not limited to that, Um, I would extend that to just a general ethos around not necessarily just training but what it means to be a robust human in this world as we age.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very aware of that
0: <laughs> Yeah, without wanting to uh, sort of be disparaging to anyone. And I think, I think that's that that's why we thought it would be a really interesting conversation um, around that. Um, may, maybe in a way kind of, it kind of reinforces a lot of things that we talk about, but maybe also, focuses it a little bit more, particularly around the sandbag work, which we mentioned. And I thought to myself today, one of the first things we ever mentioned in terms of training back in episode one last year Mm
2: -hmm.
0: was sandbags. Mm -hmm. Because during lockdown, there wasn't Mm -hmm. any ability to (laughs) get anything else. Um, other than what you could just find and for myself going from a CrossFit gym losing the ability to have any sort of real weight going through the idea of um, kind of using a a bag of cement tins of paint that sort of thing when nothing else was available to stumbling across Mm T-Fench and getting a bag from them and that's all I use now in terms of weight so for me um, I'm in I'm all in on the sandbag work after that I suppose a long preamble there why do you like sandbags Dan and what does it mean to you to to be all in on that side of things if that makes sense yeah
1: well it's um I mean first of all like I really appreciate you asking because I kind of when, when you messaged I immediately thought oh this is going to be a, a good conversation a fun conversation because I've listened to plenty of your other podcasts and you've had some pretty big hitters on, on the podcast as well but and it's like you said um, earlier when we were chatting that it's you're not doing it for likes you're not doing it for a following you're not doing it you're doing it for the conversation Yeah. so whoever's in front of you I know that whoever you choose to talk to is a genuine You're you have an interest in it you want to and you're not, and you're not necessarily just going along. You will question. You will, you know. Oh yeah, I'm not sure. I agree with that. So it's, it's, it has as conversation should be really, rather than just getting someone on to rub their ego and tell them how great they are and how great you are for having them on. You know, it's, it's very different. But yeah. So onto sandbags. It was not not dissimilar to what you just said. The lockdown focused things. Because we've been, I first discovered sandbags with, I did the CrossFit Strongman Seminar with Rob Orlando in 2014. And up to that point, I I started CrossFit in 2008, took over the gym I was training at in 2010. Um, And I had a whale of a time, like most people. I was, my background skateboarding for 30 odd years. I still do it a little bit now, but... I like physical challenges, not necessarily competition, just challenges. And CrossFit ticked the box for me fairly quickly. So I got into that very quickly and went all in. Looking back now, you know, that I was 36 at the time, but I was still training like I was 21. You know, with CrossFit being early in the days of CrossFit, no one really knew what they were doing. We were just following. It was fun, you know, the the camaraderie, the competition, the the rip in your hands, that it was that everyone's <laughs> suffering together. There's something immensely strong about that. Arguably, I shouldn't have done it at the intensity that I did it. Didn't think, didn't know anything. And, you know, did the CrossFit level one, did a, the gymnastics course, did a few others. Strongman course. And I'd heard of Rob Orlando was quite, quite a big thing back then as well, because he was the strong dude in CrossFit, doing things that no one else would think of doing. And it was only up the road in Cardiff. So I was like, oh, yeah, we'll do that. Brilliant. And that course changed my view of what of what getting strong could be. You know, there's no perfect way to getting strong. As long as you're getting stronger, I don't care how people do it. But this opened my eyes to, oh, perhaps you don't need the barbell. Perhaps you don't need these things, you know, and introducing to the log and the yoke and the stones was just a new stimulus that just I kind of thought. Well, what and the way he explains it, saying that, and you see this all the time when I coach people, sandbags and stones and things like that, how quickly they you know, for one of a better pun pick it up because it's the most natural way for us to pick things up. It all makes sense, you know. You you know yourself through training how long it can take to get the technique of a clean or a or a deadlift or a back squat or you know some people who are starting from scratch can take years. So what what that showed me was you don't necessarily need to do that. And I wasn't fully into it then. It was just, oh, this planted the seed. I thought, this is interesting. We can do different things here. So it was kind of in on doing things differently. Bought a few sandbags after that. There weren't many around back then. I think we bought a strength shop sandbag um, and a few others, and they never lasted. We weren't really sure what to do with them, How how heavy to make them, what sort of sand. We just made heavy things they usually last a month or two and rip. And then I think I found Julian Peno and the strong fit stuff around 2016, um, bought one of his bags. And that, the, what, that was the first proper sandbag that I'd used that felt like, oh, you can throw this about and you can, mm-hmm. you can do things with this. You don't just have to squat it and carry it. You can do other things. So I started following Julian a lot. Um, You know, I was getting a little bit older and I just I just found constantly using barbells and CrossFit style workouts, you know, you know what it's like. You get caught up in the high intensity thing, and everything you do is at high intensity. Everything you do is hard as you can, fast as you can. And I was just I had a few little niggles, shoulder, knees, ankles, you know, bit of a niggle in my back. And I had a recurring back issue then that was lasted about seven or eight years. And I started looking into more courses around movement. Um, I think Red, Pill, the Red Pill course with James Jowsey and Phil Mansfield, and a few things kind of outside the CrossFit realm because that's all I'd known for the five or six years was just CrossFit, and I loved it, and it was brilliant, and I learned so much from it. But then I started thinking, well, what, what about other things? You know, do we, do we have to blindly follow this stuff? Which is brilliant because they give you they gave away so much information. Um, but I was always a little bit cynical, isn't the right word, or because I'd heard the stories of like the black box summit and CrossFit falling out with various people who I followed and liked and respected. So I would that maybe question certain things. And then started using the bags properly. I reckon with the classes, we bought enough bags for the whole for our whole gym to use, probably in 2018, 17, 18, something like that. And we just noticed people who struggle with a barbell squat could suddenly squat well with a sandbag, quite heavy as well. You know, we can load them up, we can get them to shift in heavy weights. So that made us myself and my co-owner at the gym think, well, you know, we don't need to force certain bits, bits of equipment onto people. If it doesn't suit them, it doesn't suit them. Mm. we're not trying to make them Olympic weightlifters. I'm not trying to make them powerlifters. The whole point of CrossFit and that type of training is to make you pretty good at everything. You know, and I think ever since the CrossFit Games came out, that's where the shift happened, where the competition became a bit more of a focus. And oh, I need, I need to be good at snatch. I need to be good at clean and jerk. I need to be good at all these things, as opposed to well, no. What you're saying is you want to be good at those sort of things, but you don't need to be wants and needs. I think that's where where the lines get blurred.
0: Yeah. Um, I brought whilst you were talking there, Dan. Sorry to jump in because I think no, I've okay. got to sort of. Uh, immediate question based on what you've just said there Um I've, I've just typed out a couple of notes as you were talking there um, I'll come back to the first one um, mm-hmm. but the second one there is directly related to what you just said in terms of I, I've written CrossFit as a methodology versus, mm-hmm. cro- versus CrossFit as a sport yeah so I think <laughs> which is summed up in what you what you just said is CrossFit's great mm-hmm.
2: like
0: in, in terms of can (laughs) prepare you for pretty much everything you're going to need to be able to do yeah but if you don't want to do it as a sport then there's a (laughs) there's something there's a stop that you get to there's a stopper that you are like, okay I don't need to be able to do this because I don't want to do it as a sport I just want to use it as a methodology to help me as a human to be prepared, fit, whatever you want to want to be. And I think it's interesting, as you mentioned there, that <clears throat> realisation almost that it isn't... <clears throat> Most people don't want to do the sport route, I would say.
1: Yeah, they don't, they don't want to, but they feel... I, th- I think a lot of people who get into it aren't aren't necessarily aware of the difference, because you know, well, like we've always said, if you're if you're a, if you're a CrossFit gym and you want to be a CrossFit gym, go all in CrossFit and go unashamed and unashamedly one hundred percent CrossFit, what it preaches, and go with it. If because we got to the point where we were people were coming to us, you know, or we Googled you, et cetera. And we say, OK, if you've seen CrossFit online, we always ask them well, where have you heard about it. And they go, oh, yeah, I've seen I looked it on, watched it on YouTube and we said, oh, what was that? Was it like the CrossFit games? And they like, yeah, yeah, it's a CrossFit games. And we say, OK, cool. We don't do that. That's not what we do. So immediately they, they were unaware that there was another side to CrossFit. It's not just about the games. And I'm talking about people new to it because there's nothing wrong with either. If you want to be a competitive CrossFit, go, go all in, go ahead and go for it. If you get enjoyment out of it, and it's no different than I was skateboarding, it's not good for me. You know, I broke my ankle, broke my wrist, all these things. It's, it comes with the territory. Playing rugby, you're probably going to get a concussion, a dislocated ankle. It comes with it. The problem being when people came to the class, hearing what CrossFit could be, and then watching the games, two different things. Two different things. So we just wanted to make sure they understood the difference. Said, if you understand what CrossFit is and you want to do this, this competitive side of it, we're not the gym for you to come to. I've recommended plenty of people go to other CrossFit gyms in the area. You know, if you wanted just Olympic weightlift, I sent plenty of people down to another gym around the corner. I sent other ones down if they want to be a bit more competitive. That's the gym for you because I want you to be happy and I want you to want to come to the gym that you're coming to. Mm. So I can pull the wool over your eyes and say, yeah, yes, come to us. It'd be great. But if we're not doing the competitive stuff you want, it's not going to work for either of us, you know? So there's, and there's space for all of these gyms, there's space for everybody because, you know, CrossFit gyms don't want, well, can't handle huge numbers of people, you know, mm. cause you can't, you just can't, you know, to be able to run safe classes, get people progressing, have that interaction with every individual in the class. You can't have three or 400 members unless you've got a staff of 20 plus. You know, you're looking at, I don't know, what's the average CrossFit gym, 80 to 100, maybe 120 a push. Some have more, some have less. But it's always, CrossFit has always been about that connection with the individuals. And we got to the point with our gym where we were, if we program um, a heavy squat, we would literally just say heavy squat, your choice of squat. If you're up for back squatting, go back squat. You know, if not, do front squat. If not, do heavy dumbbells. If not, do a sandbag. You know, as long as it's heavy, you're not like you just said, you're not training to be an Olympic weightlifter or a powerlifter. So who cares what squat you do as long as it's heavy? Mm -hmm. As long as you're adapting to the stress that you're putting on your body, you know, and there's the argument of, well, a back squat is a bit more this and a front squat is a bit more that. Well, and that's that's the nuance that the majority of people don't need to concern themselves with. I don't think, you okay. know, and that's that's where the sandbag I think is very useful because you can challenge your yourself massively with a lighter weight, but still challenge yourselves massively, and not worry about getting beaten up so much because the idea is frequency. You should be able to train a bit more, um, more consistently, more frequently, rather than smashing yourself twice a week, and then do another the two or three. Workout's half-assed because you're aching so much, you know? And it's that all comes down to the conversation with the individual of like, what do you want? What do you want out of this? And for me, the sandbag gives you 99.9% of it with the reduction of um, the potential for injury. You know, I don't think CrossFit is, any, is no worse than lots of other sports for injuries. It's down to the individual, how they're doing it, the coach, how they're coaching it. You know, in the sandbag, it's just... I, that's why I put it use a sandbag now. I can use a sandbag three or four days a week and be fine. If I used a barbell two or three times a week, I'm going to pick up little niggles that are just a bit frustrating. And I found that over the last eight, nine years. And it could be an age thing. I'm getting older. My joints don't move as well. And so a sandbag allows me to maintain the intensity, maintain the volume without without beating myself up too much.
2: So I think, I think the really important point here and this is the having a good coach a good teacher is you understand that not everything is right for everybody and you have different ways of delivering a similar stimulus and having a similar outcome but using different tools so for you it's it's being able to acknowledge okay so we've been using the barbell to do a back squat a front squat actually we can use these other things to create a similar stimulus so people's legs are going to get stronger their torsos are going to get stronger and the carryover to a real world activity not a sporting activity but a real world activity is going to be similar the outcome for that individual is going to be the same they're going to be able to get up off a chair that's lower than their hip crease whether they're using a sandbag or a barbell to help squat, or dumbbells, or a kettlebell, and a goblet squat. And you've been able to pick that up. And you've gone, okay, if we're having numbers, what's the safest way? We're not trying to worry about can someone escape the bottom of the back squat when they can't stand up without someone. It's much easier just to drop a hand um, back. And same with the front squat, it's easier to dumb forwards. Mm-hmm. But that safety aspect for you guys and engagement is there. And a sandbag, perhaps because they come in different sizes, maybe isn't as intimidating as a barbell for someone that's just coming in. You can tell it's no different than picking up a compost bag. Exactly. Or a bin bag. You know, you can do that. So let's start with this. Uh, uh, and the same with the technique. It's a quick pickup. You know, it's an easy buy-in. Oh, yeah, I can pick that up. And then you can refine the technique a bit more safety whereas perhaps with the barbell it's a little bit okay we're going to do back squats tonight I don't like this I think a lot of coaches would say oh back squat heavy back squat I need to have eyes on everybody who can spot who can't spot yeah
1: yeah Um, because there's an awful lot an awful lot of people in a class situation who will be afraid to say they're afraid or they don't want to do it and if you're a good coach you need to be able to see that in them by just by the way they're setting up, you can see the nerves, you can see, and it's all very well saying, right, well, don't go heavy, just work on technique, which is fine. Everyone needs to work on technique. But if we want, if we're trying to create a stimulus and get you to get your body to adapt to a heavy weight. Yep. And that's the focus of the day—is a heavy weight. But we always, you know, we have a few paramedics who train with us, and we say if they're coming off a night shift, which some of them do, just to kind of unwind a little bit, we say to them, "Look, it's a high-intensity day or it's a heavy day. If your head's not in it, don't, you know, don't go heavy, don't go hard, because that's one of the things that we've changed a little bit. Is you never know what you're going to feel like any one day. You don't know what's going to happen during the day. You might have a stressful day at work. You might have a stressful day at home. So you turn in up to a gym." with your sympathetic nervous system up your eyeballs and then you're sticking a load of high intensity on top of that or high skill on top of that so you're potentially going to leave in an even higher state of sympathetic uh, sympathetic response they're probably not going to sleep very well that night which is going to affect their next day which so this knock-on effect but i mean that's that's by the by but with and that's another reason i like the sandbags is they just don't even though you're loading your your system i mean you guys know the difference between a hundred kilo uh, barbell back squat and a hundred kilo sandbag squat. You know, they're both quite, they feel quite different because mm. with the bar sitting on your back, you feel a bit, Oh, I've got this. This is on my back. I'm holding it. I've got it. And if you're confident, like you just said, Pauline, you know how to dump it. You can set yourself up, take your breath, brace tight and get ready to go. The second you pick up that sandbag, your nervous system's going, Holy shit oh man you've got to squeeze so hard and you've got to do all of this work just to hold it so getting people to do that shows them and teaches them the principles of tension the principles of bracing the, all the principles that with a barbell need to be taught and a lot of people just don't get it they struggle to create like intra-abdominal pressure to brace their midline you know you can see as they move their lower back arches a little bit first before they do the squat they don't notice it because it's such a small movement but that's not going to happen with the bag you know it can't happen with the bag if if you struggle to pick it up then you're probably not going to squat it whereas if you pick it up and everything's working so hard that you're like i could maybe get one or two reps out nothing's going to go wrong i've never seen in the in the years i've been using bags myself you know we've got you know 30 odd sandbags at the gym i have never seen anybody hurt themselves with a sandbag it, it just hasn't happened, you know, ever. I've seen plenty of people mm. hurt themselves with a bar, you know, and arguably it's either the people who aren't ready for that movement or the people who are quite strong and quite advanced and push themselves that little bit too far, mm. you know. And that's, but that's, that's either end of the spectrum, isn't it? That's, like the, that's the way that works. But the sandbag is, I mean, you you touched on it there, Paul, about picking up a bag of compost. Mm. You don't need to teach that to anybody. They'll just do it. They'll just pick it up. You know, sandbag is just a bit heavier than that. And then it gets a bit heavier and then a bit heavier, but the technique can be refined in minutes. And that's one of the things I picked up and I took away from Rob Orlando was the return of return of investment, choose the biggest bang for the buck movements that are going to be the simplest to do that have the biggest effect on people. Mm. And the sandbag is, it's up there. And I don't, a barbell isn't a bad thing. God, no, barbells, I still use them now and again you know, predominantly sandbags, but they're not, I'm not anti-barbell. I'm not anti-anything. It's, I use the right tool for the right job for what I want and what I believe is best for my members. We still use bars at the gym. If someone's like, I want to do a back squat today. Cool. Do a back squat. You know, no problem. But as far as a tool that does pretty much everything for the, for the general population and quite a few others, then for me, the sandbag is is it is top of the list, and I've only recently, since I released that new program the other day, I've only recently gone fully back into the just the sandbag again. Mm. So, because I also don't want to be one of those people who's like, I don't use anything else. I'm only going to use a sandbag because it's the best thing to use. I'm like occasionally I'll dip in with a bar. I wonder if I can still do this. Oh, I can Cool. You know, it's it's
2: bag you've got
1: um i've actually i've got 150 but i haven't filled it yet because i'm terrified of being able to fill it and actually move it <laughs> uh, uh. yeah i'll see what happens with that. now we've gotten from 20 kilos up to 100 kilos in tens but the majority of the bags we use are between 30 and 60 mm. the heavy bags we use just for carries and squats you know we've got that,
0: that's
1: that's an interesting thing about in terms of the,
0: the heavy really heavy bags. so going back to so we're talking a little bit about the comparison between the barbell mm-hmm. and the sandbag. Um, <clears throat> generally, what I suppose for me, the sandbag replaced the heaviest thing you're going to lift, which is generally weights on a barbell. Yeah. If you're doing a squat, your barbell would be in a squat rack. You yeah. don't have to pick it up off the floor. Yeah. It's already off the floor. You just have to balance it stop it from falling off as you're squatting. You can't do that with the sandbag. You have to pick it up in order to squat it. Yeah.
1: Let's say the the sandbag is constantly teaching you, constantly.
0: Yeah. It's just that idea of that 150 kilo. If you haven't got 150... Do you know what? Even when I'm saying that, I was going to say, if you haven't got 150 kilo deadlift, you're not going to pick up the sandbag. But actually, no, it... If you haven't got 150 kilos deadlift with a barbell, Mm. you're not even going to be able to pick up a sandbag that's less weight than that because it's just different. It's just a different thing. It doesn't want to
1: be... Yeah, 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 I've seen that happen again and again. People with big numbers on a bar, bar doesn't carry over Mm. to the bag necessarily. I've seen a few where it has because they just... You know, again, pun, they, they pick things up very quickly. They watch, they look and they go, oh, you know, I, this isn't a bar, therefore I need to do this. And they, and they do it. But, yeah, I've had, I always bring this up. A friend of mine who's um, same age as me, same weight as me, been training about the same time, about the same strength. We're, we're pretty even all the way through. He can deadlift more than I can. I can pick up a heavier sandbag than he can. So the argument being when people talk about strength and the numbers and statistics, who's stronger? numbers wise he's stronger than i am because he can pick up 100 he can 180 kilo deadlift i can't i can pick up the 100 kilo sandbag he can't so who's stronger not that it matters but so how does that how does that strength tally you know as far as numbers go because they are even though it's the same movement it's it's different. It's very different with the bar being perfectly balanced and you know exactly where to put your hands, exactly where to put your feet, you know exactly what it's going to feel like lifting it off the floor. Every time you pick up their bag, that bag, it could be slightly different. It's, it's more or less the same, but the amount of times I've gone to pick up a bag and as soon as I lifted it, I've just gone now, nope. dropped it back down again, rolled it a little bit and then picked it up again. Yep, yeah, that felt right. Because yeah. the slightest change, the shift in sand, makes the difference and that's what i like about it is one of the things i one of the things i've tried to simplify and teach to as many people as i can is the ability to create tension and brace properly and it's unbelievable how many people just their brains just can't can't get their heads around it they either take in a big breath stick their belly out and hold their breath or they just get into a weird position arch their back and just squeeze everything tight you know, the principle of being able to create tension because every athletic movement comes from that short amount of tension to be able to either explode quickly or pick up a heavyweight safely. And you give them a heavy sandbag and they just do it. You don't have to tell them anything. You don't have to teach them, like right, you squeezing this, Are you squeezing that. I know they're squeezing it because that bag's moving. If that bag wasn't moving, then obviously they're not because that bag's moving. I know that everything is working. You know, I've never felt my hamstring so much. Doing um pendlay rows with a sandbag. white really wide stance. And I was like, I wasn't expecting it. I think I did a minute of it. I was like, oh they were smoked, and it was only like a 40 kilo bag, maybe. It's just a completely different sensation. And and over the, you know, I've been using bags for like close on the six gym and surely that's that's one of the things we want is is our target our aim is to create healthy happy resilient humans as many as capable and useful and you if if someone can do a massive deadlift in the in the gym but they can't run 400 meters what's the point if someone's got a huge back squat but they hurt their back every time they do the shoelaces up what's the point you know when we're talking about resilience and strength the numbers on the bar i mean absolutely bugger up
0: Mm. going back to the the other thing I wrote down um, so what does you mentioned helping people to get strong what does that actually mean like just as as a general sort of comment in terms of what does it mean to be strong and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of of the things that you you were talking about there in terms of it is all relative but (laughs) it also isn't because like, we all live in the same sort of, we all live in the same world. We have the same things around us. Everything's like a shopping bag weighs the same as someone else's shopping bag, for example. Um, so we all have the same frame of reference. And I think for me, whenever someone says, oh, I'm strong, I always think, well, like, what do you mean by that? What do you actually mean by you're strong? Or what does it mean to be strong? That's quite a philosophical question.
2: So I'm going to to come in with something there. Yeah. Dan, you were saying about the um, the deadlift and not being able to pick up the 100-kilogram sandbag. If I was unconscious, I'd rather have you near me, because I know you can pick up a (laughs) 100-kilogram sandbag and drag me out of harm's way, than
1: someone that's got one hundred and fifty kilogram deadlift, but won't be able to pick me up and move me around. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's an interesting thing about like what is strength because, like I said, it's relative and it's also changes from day to day. Strength can change from day to day. Um, we had we ran a course to the gym a while ago, um, and the guy, uh, Chet Majaria, went through. Um, and julian Pineau talks about this a lot as well about your nervous system your nervous system grants you your strength if you can convince your nervous system that it's prepared and it's and it's ready you'll more than likely to do better than if you didn't and i did a talk at a local osteopathy clinic a, a month or two ago and was talking about this concept and i did a bit of research on like where, where is there proof of this where, where is there some actual proof that this you know the nervous system has allowed someone to be strong, and we've all, I think, heard stories and urban myths about people lifting cars off people if they've been run over. Yeah. And I was like, oh well, let's have a look into that. And there's and there are lots of these stories around, and there's proof of plenty of these stories as well. There was a particular one in, in the in America, I think, in the late '60s, where a lady was in her house, her son was working on her car on his car in the in the driveway, and it was like a big old Chevy Impala or something like that. She heard a noise, heard him screaming. The car had fallen off the jack onto his legs. And you know, this is a big two and a half, two, two and a half ton car. So she came running out, saw him trapped under the car. So obviously first thing she wanted to try to do is to run over and try and move the car. Anyway, the wheels weren't on it. So she tried lifting it. One of the neighbors came out and then I think a, a postman who was walking past came out to help. And as they run over to help, she actually moved the car enough for the other person then to be able to drag him out from underneath the car. Now, that's a two and a half ton car. And she, she wasn't, a, you know, this is the late sixties in America, she hadn't touched a weight in her life. But in that life or death situation, her nervous system has just gone, we need to, every ounce of energy we've got on our system, we need to use now in this second, or my son's going to die. When you're put in that situation, her nervous system just went boom adrenaline, everything just shot to that, shot to the, the muscles, you know, every, just just to move out. She didn't lift the car off the floor, mm. but the story is there's, um, there's a few news clippings online of the actual happen and for my witnesses. Um, but then I started finding other stories and then other stories and other, other stories of that exact same thing. And that intrigued me because that's another thing I like about using the bags is they challenge, they challenge your nervous system in a different way. A barbell might beat up your nervous system because of the amount of effort. If you're going heavy, you've got to think so much about the technique and the grip and, you know, set my shoulders and feet in the right place and screw my feet into the floor and create this tension. There's a, there's a hell of a lot to think about while you're doing it. But like I said earlier, I could have someone who's never been to the gym before come to my gym and say, um, go and pick that bag up. First thing they'll say, how heavy is it? I said, Don't worry about that. Don't worry how heavy it is. Just go and pick it up it might be a 20 kilo bag. So they might drop it on the first one and then you see them work it out. They pick it up and carry it over. How'd that feel? Oh, that was all right. All right, let's go for a heavier one. And before you know it, they might be picking up a 60 kilo bag. If I told them it was 60 kilos, they would immediately be like, oh no, I don't think I can do that. I can't, I can't pick that up. And that will affect their ability to be able to pick it up. You know, Unless you're a seasoned mm-hmm. lifter who understands what 60 kilos feels like, it's very different. And a 60 kilo bar... You know, and That's the thing with our nervous system. It doesn't differentiate. Your, your nervous system doesn't go, oh, well, that's a bar. That's easy. Or well, that's a bag. That's more difficult. It doesn't know the difference. All it knows is mm. the position you, you have to get in to be able to do it is, is a much more natural way because when you pick up a bag, it's in between your feet, so the weight is going inwards. When you pick it up, the weight is inside. With a bar, the weight is on the outside of your body, so when you pick it up, the weights are going that way. So it's a slightly different um, yeah, Julian, sensation. Yeah,
2: what Julian Pinot talks about it internally. Yes.
1: Talk. Yeah. yeah, the internal-external talk, that took me a long time to get my head around. And like, Julian Pinot's brilliant, and the stuff he did is brilliant, but it did get to the mm. point where it was getting very complicated. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not clever enough to simplify what he's, what he's talking about enough to give to my gen pop, to my general population. But does it matter?
0: Does it matter to the general population?
1: Yeah, No. And yeah. that's why that's why it was a case of, okay, we've got all these sandbags. We we can do everything with a bar. And that's another thing that kind of mm. and I did this for ages. I would compare the two all the time. I would say, um, oh, this is as good as a barbell, or this is this and this is that. And I'm like, well, there's no there's no better or worse. There's no Why am I trying to convince this person that it's almost like a barbell but not when it's its own thing? And I was almost demeaning the fact that, well, we use sandbags because we don't use barbells. It's like, well, no, do grace with a sandbag. If you did that, and that's one of the things Rob Orlando talked about, said spend a month, do grace every week with a different object. Mm. So do dumbbells one week, do kettlebells the next week, do a keg the next week, do a sandbag the next week, and then go back to doing a bar. And I guarantee you that a bar will move quicker. Because the efficiency with the bar is in the whole th- point of moving a bar quickly is efficiency. A sandbag is very difficult to be efficient with a sandbag.
0: Yeah, it's slower, so yeah. you can't you can't cycle a sandbag. No, in the same way you do a barbell.
1: No, yeah. no, and, and and there's and there's pluses and minuses to all of that. If you if you if the focus is speed, if I said to you we're doing grace with a sandbag and it has to be under five minutes. I'm not doing that with a 50-kilo bag. It's not happening. I'm probably not doing that with a 40-kilo bag.
0: Yeah, I've tried it with a 60.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh I'd have quit a long time. I'd, I'd have quit. I've just gone, no, because it's... It's
2: interesting, because the clean is on yeah. with a 60. Yeah. yeah. Going above head. It's
1: because well. it's just out It's scary. There. It's
0: scary. It just yeah.
1: shit. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and because with the bar it sits there nicely and you feel like, well, I can take my hands off here because my skeleton's holding the weight. With that bag being just about, what, fist width out in front of you, that much weight out, just that, what, three inches, two or three inches out in front of you is enough to completely change, you know? So so when we do overhead stuff with a sandbag, it's either a lighter weight and you're trying to pump out as many as you can or you're going a heavier weight for very low reps. But there's never, there's very rarely a time limit on it. There's very rarely, because you, we know that if you clean that sandbag up and it doesn't feel right in that position, you're probably not going to press it. You might even drop it back to the floor and then do it and, and then go again.
2: It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you did sandbag over shoulder or said, right, do barbell over shoulder, <laughs> that'd be interesting. It's much yeah. easier. To get that extension and throw a sandbag, yeah, hip over your shoulder, than to
1: pop a barbell onto your shoulders and then pop it over your head. Mm. Yeah, again, I think it will. If if the point, I know there's there's gyms who want to be competitive and they want to do CrossFit and fantastic, you know, like like we said at the start, go in, do, go all in, enjoy yourself, you know, with those with those risks. But for the average bit, and I'm talking, you know, I I, I said on my instagram the other day my goal is to get a sandbag into the the house of every into the hands of every house on the planet And it sounds ridiculous but i mean you look at the state of um like the obesity numbers these days in the western western world children you know obese children under the age of 10 it's like we're just the whole of the modern day world is designed to make us as sedentary as possible
2: yeah it's interesting you know the highlights of the crossfit games <laughs> two of the biggest highlights came from the Husfeld stone going up there, yep. and the sandbags in that, and the in the Colosseum and sandbag shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that was huge. And they were the, you know, I would say they were probably two of the certainly spectator highlights. Oh, they were yeah. great. Of of the
1: games, yeah. I think
0: I immediately messaged you, Dan, didn't I? After, yeah, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) So, look, we need to talk about this, yeah,
1: yeah, because I wasn't, because I I don't pay as much attention, you know, I keep my eye on what's happening, but I'm not into it anymore, like, like watching it every time it's on. It's still, I mean, it's still for my eyes in the last probably five or six years, what CrossFit has done better than, and well, has done, yeah, way better than anything ever is getting. Females lifting weights.
0: Mm.
1: No one else has done that in history. Nobody, mm. you know, and not only lifting weights, but lifting really heavy weights. You yeah. know, because it was who lifted? Was it Del Spiegel who lifted the, the big bag? The really the big one, the 120 I mean, that's 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 ridiculous for the size she is and the weight she is. That's crazy strong. Mm. You know, I can I couldn't, I'm nowhere near that. You know, and oh, I mean,
2: it's interesting the shape of a sandbag makes a difference as well
1: yeah oh yeah
2: yeah it's a hard compact ball and you've got no give when you're trying to get the grip so it almost feels more like a stone yeah it's really hard especially when you're carrying and it's pushing against your diaphragm Mm. whereas if it's got a little bit of give and you can get a little bit of a crease into it it's different again yeah
0: yeah that's really interesting so when i first got my 60 kilo well I suppose T-French would call it a sand ball rather than sand bag it was the, the round one yeah um, I put 50 kilos in it of sand I just got I just yeah it, was, it wasn't too bad um, I mean it was heavy enough I mean I would say that was probably like doing a 60 kilo barbell clean yeah yeah it's and if, if you sort of take into account the fact that you can't grip it and you have to use different technique But now I've overfilled it. I don't even know how much is in it now. I think it's more than sixty because it's pretty full, and it's so much harder, so much harder to actually and grab. Um, Even just doing simple things like a like a sandbag deadlift, when you've got fifty kilo and a sixty kilo bag, you you get grooves in the bottom Mm -hmm. that you can pick up. No, (laughs) they've they've gone. It's just complete. It's it's like a it's like an atlas ball rather than a sandbag now.
2: I've yeah. got um, a 60 kilogram T-Fench bag and a original 60 kilogram Bulldog gear bags. So it's more like the Borsa zip. Yeah, but I have 80 kilograms worth of sand, well, 70 kilograms worth of sand and a 10 kilogram metal plate in it. Oof. And it's solid. And it's the difference between picking that up and a bar 80 kilograms. Yeah, night and day.
1: Yeah, infinite infinitely different. I mean it's so you, hard because it's hard. Well, you, like I said, you, your body has to work so hard just to get it off the floor. You know, because you, mm. you know, and some people like people at the gym, some people like picking them up width ways, some people prefer picking up length ways, you know, there's there's no and there's no there's no perfect way to do it. There's an ideal way for each individual to do it. Yeah. But I won't teach people the same way and I'm, I'm to be honest, when I get them to pick up, a bag, I'm not even teaching them to pick up a bag, I'm just telling them where to put it. You know, I say, put your feet here. Now, put now, pick it up, pick it up, put it on your lap, and they look at you and go, "Well, how do I do that?" I'm like, "You'll work it out. You'll work it out because you already know how." Rob, Rob Orlando on the on the seminar would show a yeah. video of his boy who was at the time, I think maybe two, and they go pump to this pumpkin Halloween pumpkin picking thing every year, and he videoed his boy picking up a pumpkin, you know, a big one. So that, you know, for the boy, it's like getting his arms around it. And he showed us the video, and it was the perfect technique for picking up an Atlas stone or a sandbag. Like, we already know this. It's in our DNA to pick things up like this. But we've just forgotten how to do it. And the years and years of businesses lift with your legs, not with your back, keep your back straight, bend your knees, and all that sort of stuff is almost the polar opposite of what we should be doing. You know, we should be using our hamstrings, we should be using our glutes. Our back is designed to move like this. But we've become such a risk averse. You know yeah. breed of individuals that, that you know and and I think for good reason in some respects because businesses are getting sued left right and center for stuff going on so they're like right let's just make everything as safe as possible cover everyone in, in bubble wrap so then we've got nothing for them to come back on us for but then you're starting to build an army of fragile unresilient individuals who yeah. break at the, the first sign of anything you know When I hurt my back, yeah, when I hurt my back the first time, it was picking up a pencil off the floor. Yeah, I could deadlift 160 kilos, you know, so why why the hell is that happening, you know, and that was just through the years and years of just doing way too much that I should have been doing, as fast as I can, as heavy as I can, and I'm not blaming anyone for it, it was me who did it, it was completely me getting caught up in everything.
0: No, I but disagree. I, think, I disagree. I think you should sue the pencil manufacturer.
1: <laughs> it was a heavy pencil. <laughs> it was a 2H, and those are heavy. The lead in those is heavy. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs>
2: it's it, it strength within a of range of movement, isn't it? And not just yeah. one
1: straight, straight back. Yeah, and I do, I do like some of the conversations. I've started following a bunch of people lately who have opened my eyes to more movement again um, about... Cause there's that whole argument and I was stuck in it for ages about how deep should you squat? How deep should everyone squat? And then obviously the Olympic weightlifters are like, will you squat as low as you can? Ask the grass every time or it's not a squat. Then you've got the others who are like, well, science tells us that if you hit 90 degrees and just below, that's all the muscular recruitment that you need yeah. safe, blah, blah, blah. So you're just like, ah, well, they've both got a point, but then it comes down to right. Well, why am I squatting? Cause I'm not trying to be that Olympic weightlifter. I'm not trying to statistically be the best squatter I can on paper. I just want to be able to squat without being in pain and force my body to adapt to loads put upon it. So get it to, to adapt positively. And again, we, we, we're trying to come up with a, a hierarchy of squatting for the gym. I'm not a fan of like, right, you start here and you do this, 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 and then you end up here because it's not as mm. simple as that, you know, you've got all these bits in between. So I was like, right, where would the sandbag fit in amongst that? And in some, in some cases, the sandbag would come before the air squat, because if they can't get into a good air squat position, but you load, and they, they, they taught this on the red pill course saying a, the least amount of load possible, which helps them get into a better mechanical position or to engage the right muscles is better than saying, right, well, you're not picking up any weight until you can do a perfect air squat, Mm. because I can't do a perfect air squat. I've got dislocated ankle in the past. I've got all these things going on. Give me a 20, 30-kilo sandbag, and I can sit in a perfect squat, and I can hang around there for 30 seconds, 40 seconds, a minute. If you get me to do that without a sandbag, I can't. So arguably, that small amount of weight is going to serve me better than without any weight at all but that's that's entirely um, selective to each individual
2: yes and i think you have to consider previous injuries limb length femur length um, shoulder mobility with a barbell or you know whether that's a front rack or a back rack yeah, the sandbag perhaps has a greater utility for the for the masses
1: as opposed to the specifics Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. You know, specifics, the vast majority of people don't need to worry about that. They don't need to worry about specifics. But it's, 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 it's sometimes it's a hard sell. That's the problem is it's a hard sell because of, you know, what the barbell has become, this, it's been put up on a pedestal is the thing. This is the thing that gets people strong. And the snatch, I mean, the snatch is one of the most impressive uh, athletic movements, like a good snatch is... I think they've, they've timed it as in it's, it's the fastest, the fastest um, movement a human can do with load. You know, it, mm. I think they said it beats a baseball throw, it beats everything to get the bar from the floor to overhead in one movement. It's athletically the fastest movement a human performs with with load. So it's an incredible thing to learn. You know, I I i I used to try it and do it, but I got so many issues. That I picked up skateboarding in order for me to do snatch well I would have to probably spend three or four years fixing everything fixing mobility mm. do I want to do that not particularly <laughs> but that's, that's that's down to the individuality of the whole thing uh, you don't some of the fittest strongest people on the planet have never touched a bar you know you don't need yeah. you don't have to have it you don't have to have a bar you don't have you don't have to have any of these things
2: so let's let's look at the snatch. It, it's a long triple extension isn't it yeah if we're just looking down at the movement pattern, so actually the snatch is specific to the snatch and a little bit weightlifting, yeah. But for the majority of people, if you're wanting that expressive movement, it's about creating that triple extension. So that can be for the sandbag user, shoulder to, you know, um, over the shoulder, a kettlebell, it can be a kettlebell snaps because you're still getting that, that triple extension. So it is just it's varying the degree the degrees and, and the specificity i
1: think yeah it's it's getting it's getting people to understand it's it's the movement not the exercise yeah
2: exactly
1: you know you don't you don't have to do and it is you know i get it i did it for a few years it is fun it's fun until it isn't mm. and then it's suddenly not fun <laughs> you know and a lot of the, the people who are fully into it are, are a lot younger people in their 20s could do that shit all day you know it's not it's not gonna but then you try telling a 25 year old, or you know, you got to think about training in your 40s. They're going to laugh in your face. They're not, they're going to be really talking about this. This is what I do now. And you also don't want to talk them out of it as well. You know, this, you learn so much mm-hmm. by, by making mistakes, by doing things wrong, by, by doing things that you may be not quite ready for. You know, but you've also got to be the individual who will understand that. You can't say, right, everybody's go out and do what you like and then learn from it because some people are just rabbit in the headlights going well I don't know I don't know what I should be doing what I can do how strong I am how fast I can run they're completely you know for want of a better word movement illiterate they have no concept of the space around them of oh that could hurt me so they just they just get scared of everything you know I've seen plenty of people like that as well I've also seen plenty of people like that change because they suddenly get a bit of confidence, and you see them suddenly, I'm going to try this today. I'm going to try that today. And you're like, oh, we've we've reached a we've reached a crossroads here. Where they're starting to become a little bit autonomous. Mm. They're starting to understand what they're capable of, which is a brilliant place to be. And then it's also a slightly risky place to be because if that confidence gets above their ability, I think that's where people tend to get hurt more often. Is is they do things that they think they can do. They're just not ready for it and they're not, they're not, their ego isn't willing to step back and say no I'm not ready for this yet
0: I think, I think that's a really good point there that the ego side of things and I think whilst the internet is a brilliant thing it can also be something that people use <laughs> as an excuse or they, they see, see the perfect snatch you see someone doing the perfect that really quick boom full squat weight above the head literally a handful of people in the world can do that Mm -hmm. but the internet doesn't portray that and doesn't tell that truth and I think (laughs) (laughs) I sound really old the youth of today that's (laughs) that's their frame of reference and and actually it's not just the youth it it, it's our frame of reference as well because you see it all the time yeah you see it online you see these unrealistic versions of what people are capable of.
2: But that's no different than, than watching the extreme of any sport. Uh, and so a gymnast doing a gymnastics routine on, on the rings, of course, the beauty is they make it look so easy because they are so good. that you look yeah. at it, oh, I could do that, without mm-hmm. comprehending the time it's taken mm-hmm. to get to that point and the dedication it's taken to that point. It doesn't mean... Yeah that you shouldn't go and try. And I think with any coaching, and it has to be good coaching, then I think it's absolutely fine for a 70-year-old to work towards a full snatch. But it has to be relevant to what their goals are. But uh, and within that, it's okay, is this safe? If it's not safe, why isn't it safe? And how can we work around this? And then you have the conversation around, well, I appreciate you really want to do this movement, but these are the challenges. Are you happy to work towards those? So Dan, what you were saying about, you know, having to work on your range of motion because of the injuries you've had in the past, have that conversation. And then if they say, well, actually, I can work on the technique, perhaps with an empty bar or a broomstick or a PVC pipe, but to get the load and the burn, the exercise, the endorphin rush, let's go to something that will have a carryover with regards to the joint mm. extension and the strength in the sandbag, the kettlebell, the gun belt, something along those lines that uh, allows them a bit of both. I, th- I think I think. it's dangerous to say, oh, we've got to this age, we should just rule this out. For the minority of people, they're not going to want to do it. Mm. They're going to say, oh, I'm a bit old for that. I don't fancy it. But actually, unless you've had multiple injuries, then perhaps that door isn't fully closed. And it comes back down to good coaching and good conversations with, with the person in front of you and realistic, honest conversations.
1: Yeah, and I think, because if, if we'd had this conversation two or three years ago, I'd have disagreed with everything you just said that's where I was. Yeah. I was like, why the hell is everyone doing status? It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's blah blah blah. And now I'm like, there are, there are, you know, the older you get, well, and it's not about the more you learn. It's about the angle, it's the, how you view things. your view changes, your perspective changes, your I'm I'm very, very conscious now of not using the words right and wrong because it's all context dependent on the individual, on the environment, on all these things come into it. And I think some of the some of the hardest people I've had to work, not, not hard as in they hard work, but people who come to the gym who are already strong but have not done any sort of athletic-type movements, they're very immobile, but they're just strong, getting them to stop using their strength is very difficult because that's all they know. Absolutely. And mm. getting them to, okay, like, you know, teaching them a kip, for example, you know, on the bar, or or getting them to you to do a push press rather than a strict press and things that you'd, you teach anybody. And because they're so, they're so stiff and tight because, and I used to be that person as well. It's like, right, if you're lifting weights, you've got, everything's got to be as stiff as possible all the time. And then all you end up doing is moving like a robot. And that's another reason I like the bags. It's, it's very hard to be robotic with a bag because of the, the dynamic nature of the bag moving. You can't be robotic because you have to respond to the movement of the bag. You can be robotic with a bar and there are instances where you have to be. If you're if you're going to do a heavy deadlift, you, you've got to set yourself up because you're trying to A, minimize the risk and maximize your ability to create force. And those two things have got to work perfectly to, to safely pick up the heaviest weight you can. There's so much going on. You know? I used to think, oh, the deadlift's easy. You teach someone a hinge and they pick they pick it up. And I'm like, my God, the hinge is the hardest thing. People, hmm. people struggle with the hinge so much because we're so used to sitting down, standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down, standing up. We don't rotate at our hips. We just move at our knees. There's a certain amount of movement in the hips. But getting someone to then stand and rotate through their hips is one of the hardest things I find to teach people. But if I get them to pick up a bag... It's going to take them a few goes, but they're going to find their hamstrings. They're going to find their glutes. They're going to find that oh, I, have to, I have to rotate to my hips in order to bend down to reach the bag. You know, if I, just, if, I, if I just bend through my spine, which as we know, the spine is designed to do. And if I try picking up that bag with a flexed spine with no tension, that bag's not moving. With a bar, it can because you can just grip it and just hike it up using your back. But without those grips and just having your hands under the bag, you have to create tension through your lats. You have to engage all the muscles that allows you to pick that bag up safely, which is why the bag feels so much heavier than the bar. Because yeah. I think because of the amount of effort you have to put into it in order to move it in the first place, you know, yeah. the inefficient nature of it. You know, when I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm totally over that bar, the bar versus bag um, conversation because there isn't one. People who kind of go, I use the bag because it's better than the bar. Well, no, it's not. You know, then if the bar was bag was better than the bar, they'd be using a bag in the Olympics, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's a, it's a different thing. The bar was created for a sport. It's a sport. You know, the, you know why they're, you know, the height of the bar, the size of the plates. Yeah. Do, you know why? Do you know why they're that size? Nope. They, were, they were designed so that if you fell, the bar would roll over your face and wouldn't hit you in the face. So they were designed at a specific height so it wouldn't take your nose off if you happened to fall off and, the, and they had to roll the bar over your face. So it's not even designed from an anatomical point of view. It's not, it's not It's not. the ideal height to pick off the floor. That's not why they designed the bars like that. They designed it as a safety mechanism so that people don't go out themselves or take their faces off if they happen to fall. So it's that the bar has just become, because it's, you know, the reasonably cheap the, the one, the thing that the bar has over the sandbag is the microloading. You can add one kilo. You know, you can quickly one kilo on, one kilo off. Twenty kilos on, twenty kilos off. You can do that. But my, my argument to that is okay. And Dan John spoke about this in one of his books. They had sixty. He had him and his brothers had sixty kilo bar. That actually they didn't even know it was sixty kilos because the weights didn't have any numbers on. So that's all they could afford. They had a garage and they just trained together. So they got to the point where they could do 10 reps of every movement with a bar, 10 snatches, 10 bench press, 10 strip press, 10 deadlift, 10 bent of a row. And once they could do all of the movements with, with the weight they got, then they were like, right, we need to find some more weights because we're now, we're now too strong for the weights we've got. Whereas these days, how often do you see someone do a, a lift, be it deadlift, whatever it is on Instagram, massive PB today, brilliant, high five, fantastic. And you look at the lift and you're like, yeah, that was a PB, but it was a bag of shit. You know, you're lucky. You're lucky your spine didn't snap in half. But what they'll do now is they'll say, right, that's my new PB. I'll I'll balance. I'll take all my percentages off a bad lift. So all of the lifts after that will be a little bit worse because your PB now you'll want to beat that in two weeks time or three weeks time and add another two kilos. You know, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying that a, that a deadlift should look like a your PB deadlift should look like you picking up an empty bar, but they should be pretty damn close.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you're if you're able if you understand the ability to create tension through the movement, there should be very little difference between your lightest lift and your heaviest lift. And I know there's arguments left, right, and center about that, about, well, if you're giving maximal effort, then there's going to be some degradation of, of movement quality. Yes, there is, but you want to minimize that as much as possible.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think that's a really interesting point. And the idea that the weight on the bar is everything or the weight on whatever you're lifting is everything Mm -hmm. is not true (laughs) in the slightest because your body, like your mind knows the number, but it doesn't matter. It's, It's about how it feels and how, how your muscles are reacting to that stimulus and to, to whatever it is. Like, like I said earlier, I don't actually know how much weight is in my sandbag. I know I've got, I've got two, um, 15 kilo dumbbells which I use I've got a um, nine kilo wall ball which standard wall ball I've got a a slam ball which I know the weight of I don't know it it doesn't really matter though because I'm getting the stimulus I need from it and I I think the number on the bar sometimes
2: (laughs) distracts Yes, but then we're looking from what's at important. overload, aren't we? In terms of strength building, you know, as an argument. So progressive mm. overload, you can say, okay, well, I increased my rep range. This was a 10 rep max. It's now a 20 rep max. So therefore there's clearly some strength or strength endurance that's been built on. But does that mean my, um, also I'm looking for my ultimate strength is gone up or not. Um, whereas if you're able to add load, to something, whether that's adding fractional paints or adding more sand to a sandbag, in theory, if you have continual overload, you will get stronger, correct? Mm-hmm. So maybe, actually, Sean, if your bag hasn't changed for a year, you should be bold and get yourself a new bag of sand and put half of it in and just see what the difference is.
0: Now, yeah. here's he something that I I did think about it the other day. So going back to the conversation. So, sorry, Dan. This I'm just talking to Paul here. <laughs> um, <laughs> go, going back to the conversation, we the first conversation we had with Lucy Lismore, um last year, last last summer. Um, I think she mentioned during that conversation that she uses the same weight, and therefore hasn't kind of got more muscular because she always uses the same weight. I, th- I, I just vaguely remember that sort of segment. Um, I found that, yes, probably for the last year, I've been using the same weight of things. And I will... Um, I suppose I have to trust the person who uh, does my programming to increase the reps. Yeah rather than the weight, knowing that I'm relatively limited to the fact that I've got a sandbag, I've got dumbbells, I've got certain things. I feel quite happy with yeah. where I am in terms of, and I'm not looking to, I'm not looking
1: for um, to, your to get big.
0: I'm not looking to get big. I'm not looking for kind of that overload. I suppose maybe it just goes back to what what we're looking to achieve.
2: Yeah. So so it may be for you, actually, the difference is three sandbags to shoulders a year ago might have taken you 40 seconds and now it would take you 20 seconds. Ten. (laughs) Five seconds.
0: Yeah. With one second
2: rest between,
0: <laughs> yeah, this. minus minus five seconds.
2: Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess that's also the argument of yeah. How do you measure something? You know, yeah, my yeah, I can do I can do a three rep back squat, one hundred and fifty kilograms, but it takes me a minute and a half. Is that really three reps, or is it three? <laughs> <seconds>? <laughs> mm. As opposed to yeah, I can probably do three reps of back squat. It takes me fifteen seconds. Up down up down up down.
0: Yeah, but I suppose it, 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 that that then brings in nuance <laughs> and brings in the idea of it does. intensity, coupled with load,
2: yeah.
0: which is, is a whole different ball game. It's, it's it, and again, it goes back to what that what Dan was saying in terms of people coming in and being strong. It's not just about being strong.
2: Yeah, you know, It's mindset, it's confidence, it's a range of movement uh, and confidence in the positions that you're holding mm. that weight as well. It's speed, force,
1: acceleration. Yeah. yeah. Isn't, isn't that the, the brilliant thing about this whole fitness, strength and conditioning world, whatever it is, is we, these conversations that we're having now have gone on for decades and there's no answer. There is no answer to it. The conversations are the good bit they're the good bit that you're suddenly if we're changing someone's outlook into if someone's just been right I go to the gym and I've got this program and I'm doing barbell dumbbells five days a week, blah blah blah, and they're seeing progression, they're adding load every week they got that um, progressive overload happening, they're having deload weeks, they're doing all of this stuff. And and this is exactly what I was like in the early days of like, well, this is the best thing to do because it's working. This is the best thing. Why isn't everyone doing this? This is the best thing. And then they might be introduced to something by someone else through a conversation like this or someone else at another gym, or they see something online and just go, Oh, that's, I'm having a deload. week. let's have a play around with that. And they might, it might be a sandbag. It might be a stone. It might be something completely different and machines. They might be on machines. And then a little thing just in their head just goes, Whoa, hang on a minute. I've been training this way for the last two years, getting progressively stronger in numbers, but I became so blissfully unaware of all the other stuff around me, because this worked, mm. that I've become very insular and I'm very, well, this is the only, because that's another um, Julian Pinocchio, which I think he, he took from one of the phlo- early stoic philosophers. If a measurement becomes a target it no longer becomes a good measure. And that's, that's where I got stuck is the number, like you just said earlier, Sean, the number on the bar became, I'm only getting stronger if that number goes up. Mm. That's If that number goes up or I'm able to do more reps, that shows me I'm getting stronger. Well, maybe you're just getting more efficient at the movement of that lift. So you're utilizing physics, you're utilizing leverage, you're using all these things that allows you to pick up a heavier weight. You're more confident, all these things come in. Are you actually physically stronger? It's a very difficult thing to measure properly, you know, because all these other things come into it and it's, and I'm exactly the same as you, you short. I'm not, I still, I still dip into timing workouts. um, How heavy can I lift this or how far can I carry this and use it as a measurement, you know, but I'm not using it as, as the right. I want to be able to carry a hundred kilo sandbag, 400 meters without putting it down, which would be amazing. You know, one day maybe. <laughs> but I can't see it happening. <laughs> no but, <sense. laughs> ha- but having having challenges, having those things for you to to be able to attempt. You know, you may not. We often do workouts that are impossible to finish. That's the point. How far into it can you get? It's not, the point isn't to finish. That's not the goal. Because if you always give someone an end, that's all they're going to focus on is finishing the workout, doing as many reps as possible in the workout, and kind of missing the point of the workout of the session Um, and and another thing i'm very aware of because my background i did gymnastics at an early age up to sort of mid-teens skateboarding all quite high skill things sandbags are quite low skill so i'm also very aware that i i also want to maintain my ability to to use or to improve my skill base So I'm not just I'm not just like I want to do the biggest bang for the back exercises, the simplest ones possible to make me as strong as possible. I'm also aware that I like learning skills, you know, and a lot of people do. And I think that's why people get into things like CrossFit and the Olympic lifts, because you can really get into them. You know, you can pick them apart and you can God, you could spend hours just on improving your shoulder position for the snatch or your starting position for the clean. You know, you could spend days like working on that and I totally get why people get fully into that because it's there's so much to it so I'm kind of in that balance of I want to get as as strong as not as strong as I can as resilient as an anti-fragile as I can because strength is pointless if you if you break easily and that's what tends to happen people who are really strong get injured easily people who are really weak get injured easily whereas you want to be kind of in the middle strong resilient anti-fragile and be able to pick up a weird-shaped object, climb up a set of stairs, twist weird to pick something up, or that that's real life. How, how many times if, do you have to, if, if your kid is on the floor, oh, God, she's eating something, I need to twist, which by a lot of coaches, never rotate and flex and lift a weight, never do that. It's like, well, it's try doing that in the real world. You know, at some point in the real world, you're going to have to be in these weird positions, and that's where the bag, you mentioned it earlier about, it is a when you talk about real world functional training, you know, bags bags beat they do beat bars in that respect. You know, they're because but the way they teach you, you know, it's it's a it's it's unavoidable. You know, the bar the bar's better in some respects. You know, try not to use better, best, right or wrong. But there are the be, uh, the, the right tool for the right job. You know. Yeah.
0: I, I only use a bag because it's safer than using
2: one of my children. <laughs>
1: it's frowned upon isn't it throwing yeah. kids over your head and not catching them for some reason yeah. plus they're too light
2: they're not heavy enough yeah
1: yeah but you yeah. could feel that. that's a, that's, that's a good point actually <laughs> if you just oh, perhaps that's why the obesity thing has happened so much because there's more people filling their kids so they can lift them overhead and get yeah. stronger I didn't think of it like that
0: yeah ch- ch- child deadlift that's yeah. maybe that's that's the that's what people are doing with the fat kids
1: yeah, yeah is it time is it should we, ch- <laughs> should we put a, should we put a disclaimer in now just, just no. to make sure, you know what people are like.
2: No, it's fine. <laughs> so I back your um, real world, <laughs> there is that. There's that reel on Instagram where reality versus if we lifted things like we did in the gym. That guy picking up the bag or yeah, pick it up like a snatch, that, and that is the truth. You know, we do pick up things differently than we do with the bar, so that is the crossover with the sandbag. Uh, it does put us in a different range of movements. Coming back to your point about timing things or loading things up, I guess it depends on what you want out of your training. Most people want to get fitter and want to get stronger. Mm -hmm. There needs to be some measurables with that. You want to get healthier. In terms of maintaining momentum to see progress, it helps stoke the fire to keep going. So yeah. if you can say, oh, actually, I ran a mile in eight minutes, and now I can run it in seven and a half minutes. No, three months later on doing To see that progress, it feels mm. like it's worthwhile. So I, I do think it is important to have those, impo- those workouts where you're never going to finish, because actually that tests the mind, and it, 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 it's working on a different piece of the body to exercise. But also, I think it is useful to see how much you can lift within a safe um, movement pattern or how fast you can do something so you can see that progress. I think we all benefit from seeing ourselves progressing. It makes us happy. It, well, makes me happy to see that I'm progressing. Otherwise, I think, well, hold on a second. I spent a year, an hour and a bit, five days a week doing this, and I haven't moved from the same spot. I haven't progressed. So I think there has to be balance there. Some people will just want to sit on the bike for an hour because it's nice. But I think a lot of people get into mm. activity because they want to see progress. If you do a team sport, you want to get better at what you're doing. You, maybe you want to be picked for the second team instead of the third team or have aspirations to the first team. You know, those
1: things come in. Oh, yeah. I mean, progression is, I mean, and that's what I was skateboarding. It was all about progression, you know newer tricks bigger stairs bigger handrails and in the and you would just push each other on so i think that that part is still important and it shouldn't be taken out you know it shouldn't be removed um i did um an online challenge with a guy who i had on my podcast a few weeks back this guy bill anthes and called the sisyphus gauntlet and you signed up for it and it was four hour workouts each one was an hour long
2: yeah, I remember seeing
1: this. Yeah, and I knew it was it was everything I didn't want to do. Like I got, um, I I talk quite openly and readily about an anxiety disorder for the last thirty five years, which at times was really bad in in my teens and early twenties. And this is the exact sort of thing that would trigger it. Doing one thing over and over again, repetition for for a long time. I need. I think I've posted a few times on my Instagram. I I, I refer to myself as like. Um, slightly bipolar when it comes to training because i got the opportunity i got we've got sleds bars ropes we've got all the stuff so i can i can do it all and that's another reason i started the bag what daily thing is because i think right i need to i need to simplify for a while Mm. one weight bag simple movements and just do it consistently for months you know to to get that love back of just just doing something you know think back to lockdown and and then meanwhile because we what we did as a gym we bought every we bought every member a 25 kilo bag of sand and and then came and a red band because i thought we can do a lot we can do a lot with those two things we can keep people moving well with those two things and that showed i think that showed a lot of us and actually what i saw there was people who were reliant on the equipment suddenly stopped training you know, they were like, well, if I can't have a bar and if I can't have a bike and if I haven't got a rower, they just stopped training. Or they might have gone couch to 5K or something very different, which is, again, great. And then those who were just generally like, no, I, the whole point of me training and doing this stuff is to become better, fitter, stronger, all these other things. I just need to keep doing it and whatever that is, however I can. But, um, yeah, the this, this sandbag, the lockdown certainly showed us that if this went on again and this it could happen again you know it's happened once you know the pandemic we know no one saw it coming well we didn't see it coming and if if you're not prepared for it to happen again you didn't learn anything the first time so if the gym shut again and you're like oh i can't go to the gym i won't train it's like well do you like training or do you just like going to the gym because they're not they're not the same thing you know people like the social side you know being in the tribe seeing their friends and if Actual training is the last thing on that list. That's going to be the first thing to go if it happens again. So the idea is to show to have these options that you know enjoy like the bag as much as you do the bar. Okay, you haven't got the nuances of I've added two kilos and then better. But I mean, oh yeah, I was going to go back to the Sisyphus. One of the one of the workouts was an hour carry. You had to carry a sandbag for an hour, and I was like, oh my god, that's. I mean, we've I think we've all carried sandbags and we in, in the front and how uncomfortable it gets quite quickly. And I was like, there's no way I can do that for an hour. I knew I couldn't do that for an hour, but my goal was not to put the bag down. So I thought, right, well, I'll carry it, bear hug for a bit, and then I'll go right shoulder, then back to bear hug, then left shoulder, and just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Luckily, someone came to join me because I didn't fancy doing it on my own. And and we did the hour, and at the end of that, I was generally, I was elated because I generally didn't, didn't think that I'd be able to do the hour. And I turned the clock around, so we couldn't see what was on the clock because I didn't want that to be part of it as well. And it was, it was a workout that I would never in a million years to choose to do on my own. I wouldn't program it, and I wouldn't do it. But because I've, you know, I'm, I've, I've paid for this course, this challenge, you know, someone else is programming. You have that little bit of, oh, I kind of have to do this now. You know, I've, I've I can't back out. You know, I'm not saying that I have quit stuff in the past. I think everyone has, but. When it comes to physical things, I think I, I've always been quite a physically able person. I've always been good at sports in school and all these sort of things. It's just something I think the early days, early doors of gymnastics does that. It allows you to be able to pick up other sports quite quickly, and because you have this confidence in your physical ability, you're like, "Oh, that's who I am. That's that's what I'm good at. That's who I am." Therefore, I want to challenge myself in all these different ways. I've I've moved away from the CrossFit style of faster times heavier weights but i will still check in i'll use grace i'll always use grace with the sandbag as a, as a good example because it's a really good anaerobic strength endurance mindset challenge all in one to pick that bag up and do another lift and do another lift it's a really good one to do and i'll do it two ways i'll either do grace or i'll just do arm wrap in five minutes to see if i can get one more rep or one more rep and you'll get to the point where you won't do any more right Time to go up in weight now and add a bit more weight. So we're talking about measurements. that Those are the sort of measurements I'll use. Because just like you said, Paul, it's that little bit of progression keeps you interested, keeps you eager. You know, it gives you a marker. Let's say you're ill. Like I had COVID a month ago for the first time and it wrecked me for about four days. And I was coughing for a month. And every workout after that I tried was just a grind. And I was like, oh, it's, it feels like I'm starting from scratch again. So now I'm feeling pretty much 100%. I'll probably go back and do grace with a sandbag just to see where I am with it. Mm. And if it's less, it's not a big deal. It's like, oh, there we go. I've still got things to build up. I won't use that, that score as a, oh, shit, I'm getting weaker or I'm, getting, I'm not as good. I'm past that. you know. I'm 49 years old now. I don't care. I don't care what other people think. I don't care. Uh, what I did 10 years ago was 10 years ago what i'm doing now is now you know you can't people can't dwell on how how many people i speak to who you know if you start talking about training and this sort of stuff will go you'll get onto the subject maybe of bars or whatever and they'll go oh yeah my my pb heaviest one i've ever done 10 years ago was this i'm like
0: i hate i hate talking about training with anyone (laughs) like honestly it's it's awful because that's, that's what they do. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, I, yeah, yeah, I can do 10 pull-ups. I'm like, okay, good. Oh, no, I've, I've, like, <laughs> I can do, I've squatted 150 kilos. Oh, okay, great. But I think for me, there's so much about being active and training that it's just, it's intangible in terms of the benefit to your life and you can't describe that you can't put a you can't put a number on it and you can't put a weight on it.
2: Yeah.
0: And that I th- yeah sorry Paul. Th-
2: an experience.
0: I, I don't know. I don't know if it's age because I'm only having that thought now at my age. But that's
2: what I mean. I, I don't like a know. 25 year old.
0: I don't know.
1: I wasn't thinking that way. No. I think it's maybe it's a combination. I think it's tr- it's a combination of physics. Because the older we get, the less I find it. The older I get, the less I give a shit about, yeah. about things going on around me. You know, yeah. if, I, if I'm at another gym, like I train at another gym occasionally, just to last month's holiday, don't have to look and watch. I can just go and train. And it's a, it's a full-on CrossFit gym. Um and I'll go in I think we did a, it was a barbell workout the other week and I had a shoulder niggle and I just said to the coach I said look I've got a bit of a left shoulder niggle in a minute I'm going to use dumbbells and he was like cool yeah fine you know you better than I do cool I was like great but um, you know within that environment there's people who are talking about the leaderboard who's on top who's blah 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 and again great it's not knocking it at all if that's what drives you become better then then you go but I just noticed when I was doing the workout how five years ago i would have been oh what what rep are they on oh oh they're they're a couple of reps ahead of me i was just i'm doing what i'm doing I'm, i'm here to work out i'm not here to watch anybody i'm not here to compare to anybody i'm just here to do a workout you know do my do my best in my workout that's that's my job here but you know i i did notice this happen in about i reckon 2013 maybe 12 13 when because the first crossfit open was 2012 i think because mm. a bunch of our guys Margin, went to the very first british crossfit regionals which was in uh, army barracks in mildenhall it was literally a couple of marquee tents a couple of ghds some bars and one of the workouts was uh, sandbags in a wheelbarrow i think and they had to move them around but you know the whole vibe environment was very everyone's here to do well but no one gives a shit about how anyone else does. Everyone's cheering it. And you still get that in CrossFit. But I, I think we went to a competition in maybe 2012, something like that. And I just noticed a difference. I just noticed a different, slightly different atmosphere of people rather than chatting to each other. or oh, where are you from, where are you were from, checking each other out, or what are mm. they lifting? Oh shit, they got 120 kilos. Look, he's lifting heavy. So it became a bit a little bit more. And that's the nature of a competitive sport is you what you start rather than doing because i remember doing early crossfit competitions where it was just a get together and people having a laugh everyone worked hard you know the i actually remember the first competition i ever did which was one in swansea sam briggs uh, was in it in her first ever well i think it was one of the first competitions in the country and sam briggs was in it and she smashed everybody guys included smashed everybody on a 5k um trail run she finished it like 10 minutes before everyone else. And everyone's like, holy shit, who's this? Because she's tiny. But that's kind of what it was, you know, back then. And I know it can't stay like that for a sport to grow, it has to like build outwards, you know, and you then start attracting the more type A personalities, the competitive people. And that's the nature of, of sport. That's what it does. But I think at that stage, when it then became more about we want to prove who we are to everybody else in this room. I was like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not into that. That's not so, me."
2: So when we had Carl Steadman on, we talked about you know, the the Taipei personalities and gyms, mm-hmm. and he said, "What CrossFit allows you to do is create the gym environment that you want." Yeah. But so there will be those gyms that are sport focused that want to go to sanctionals, regionals, the games. And there'll be those gyms that want to be family, community focused. That if someone happens to do well, then that's brilliant, but that's not the main reason. That's not the raison debt for the for, for the gym. And they end up self-selecting. Mm. And I think whenever there is a sport, you are always going to have those people that want to be the tip of the spear whether they truly are or not they go in with that attitude and there will always be those people that enjoy it for the companionship that comes out of it and it is self-selecting and you see it with local sports teams you see it with football teams rugby teams there are those in a local region where oh yeah if you want to do well go to that team over there and then you have a drinking team that happens to play rugby (laughs) exactly Uh, and it it does self-select and I, i think there is space for everybody yeah in there and actually what you've done is you've created an environment where people can go and enjoy themselves don't feel they have to be always comparing themselves against other people on a on the on the scoreboard Uh, And they still get to have their fun, they get to have their fitness, their progression and and come away feeling better about themselves. Whereas the other gym you mentioned, that's slightly down the road, that's where those that want to compete, they're better off going there. So I think, yeah, with the advent of the CrossFit Games and, and the Open, you saw that
1: split, but I think there's enough room for everybody. Oh, absolutely. There's enough, there's enough room for both. It's 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 like you said, it's making it making people aware that there are both, that yeah. there is no one, there is no one. There's the sport, like you said mm-hmm. earlier, the sport of CrossFit and yeah. you know, health CrossFit as a health and fitness pursuit.
2: And I love you know? the fact that you said right at the start that you're very honest with people that come in. So they know exactly what they're buying into. Yeah. And if it's not their source, they can go to a different table.
1: Yeah, because it's the last thing. I think the goal of anybody who gets into health and fitness, PT, and whatever it may be, I think everybody gets into it to help people. That's it. Cause there's not, unless you're some oddball influencer, you're not going gonna to become <laughs> a millionaire doing it. You've got you at the heart of it. You like, I want to see, I want to create an army of useful, capable, resilient humans that are you, that, that will help that are not only stronger for themselves, they make their families' lives better. They make their friends' lives better. They, you know, people who just want who just want to help and can physically help others. You know, because that's that's lacking as each decade goes past. That lacks more and more. We're getting closer and closer to the whole scene in Wally where you're just stuck in a chair with everything just given to you. You yeah. know, and 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 people. There's so many people who are blissfully unaware that it's it gets, it's it's moving in that direction. You know, and yeah. how many people who say, oh. I've, I'm, I'm this shape i'm this size i'm uh, i i can not go to the gym it's too embarrassing people will laugh at me and all these sort of things you know and i hate hearing i hate hearing stuff like that we're all no matter how we look underneath we're all as capable as each other you know in various ways in various forms some are better at something some are better at other things or more but that's what i think the sandbag can do and i mean it sounds like a a, a lofty goal, you know i'll put a sandbag in a house and every house of every house on the planet but i'm like if if i just did nothing but picked up my bag walked it out of my house into my car put it in the boot in the morning and then did that in the evening so i'm carrying that 40 kilo bag mm. 100 yards twice a day if i did that every day for a year i'm arguably going to be in better shape than i don't know 50 percent 60 percent of the people on the planet Yes. Just by doing that simple thing, just picking up a bag and moving it. Yep. just That's what we're designed to do. Humans, we're designed to, to move, not just move ourselves, but move things, you know, carry things, push things, pull things, you know, that, and I think too many people, and again, because they're unaware of it, because of the numbers on the bar and the times on the board, that those numbers are telling them that they're getting fitter and stronger. You know, we... we I've seen plenty of people come to the gym, other gyms or friends of friends who have come along and just gone, oh, heavy, how heavy are those bags? I'm like, I'll oh, try that. I would tell them. I'd just say, try that one. Pick that one up. And they'll carry it and put it in. Oh, my God, that was so heavy. And they already weightlift and do things like that. And you tell them how heavy it is. And they're either shocked at how light it is. They thought it was going to be heavier because it felt heavier because they're putting their body in a position that they're completely unaccustomed to. Because of the nature of it, what I tend to find is Olympic weightlifters hate sandbags, hate them because they're so inefficient. And Olympic weightlifting yeah. is all there's about efficiency. No, there's no technique. No. I, say,
2: I, I disagree. I think there is a technique
1: with a sandbag. There's, you know, there's yeah. There's a there's a there's there's a good there's a good. I don't like to use the word position because it's there's putting yourself into an anatomically better or mechanically better, safer position. That yes, there is. There's 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 a bad or a worse way to pick up a bag, and a, and a better way to pick up a bag. It's a, it's a different technique.
2: Yeah, there's Ooh. perhaps not quite the minutiae that there is mm, with no. a snatch or a clean, but there's definitely a technique. And I think mm. I think it's easier to find your groove with a sandbag without having to have a hundred different cameras on you looking at your grip, your foot position, your hip position. Um, I was gonna ask, do you do R when you write a workout in your gym, do you write
1: RX? No. Um for years. Yeah. Probably five years. Yeah, we stopped doing that years ago. We don't have a leaderboard. We took out the leaderboard. Um, and we, we, we use an app, we use Train Heroic, and we give people the option. You know, if you want to score this, this is how you score it. If you want to do this, this is how you score it. So the scoring becomes them. Rather than, and if people want to create that Mm. semi-competitive, oh, what did you get? They'll do it amongst themselves, you know, with the people they know who will respond to it. Because it's, I'm not a fan, I'm I'm kind of, I'm not a fan of saying, right, let's take all of this stuff away and what we do is what we do. You know, because I still think what you talked about with progression, there still needs to be some measure, some measure of are you, are you getting, not better isn't the right word. Are Are you improving? Are you getting more confident? Are you, you know how
0: does it feel i I think exactly i think feel is 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 a word that is often missing from the fitness industry how do you feel now in comparison to how you felt before you started whatever you've just done
1: Mm. and you know the amount of people because we like when we write a workout on the board we give we go for stimulus we have medium high we have um, sorry low medium and high intensities So, we recommend, okay, today should be a high intensity workout. Therefore, we'll either put a time cap on it or or whatever, or whatever it is. And the difference being, and I've had this conversation with probably for the last four years with people, we'll do a 20 minute workout, okay, medium intensity, because you can't do a high intensity for 20 minutes. It's impossible. You know, no matter how hard it is, it's not high intensity. At the end of the workout, people will be huffing and puffing, going, my God, that wasn't medium intensity. And I'm like, well, it was because you finished it. If you went high intensity in that workout, you, you wouldn't have got past five minutes. So the fact that you finished it, but they, the people mentally see the word medium and think, oh, that'll, that'll be quite easy. You know, you're still going to be breathing heavy. You're still going to be working hard, but you're not doing it flat out because you can't. You know, and people struggle with the concept of high intensity should be five minutes around it. Well, really, it should be two minutes at the most. You know, if you want to go full on high intensity and what we what we do and what we've done for years and I totally on board with this is the higher the intensity the lower the skill because the, high, the higher the skill that gets in the way of intensity you can have a certain amount of intensity but you can't go as high as you could with a sled or with a bike mm-hmm. or you know there's a level of intensity but if you want true high intensity it's got to be something that you cannot get wrong you can't even that that you just head down and go otherwise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Otherwise it's, it just becomes you pacing the workout, you know, and that's the thing with another thing with the, um, with the competition side of things, whether it's a CrossFit competition, a functional fitness competition, like whatever it is, is everybody paces because they know they potentially got four or five workouts coming up and you don't have to win every workout to do well in it. So everything becomes paced, you know, at 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 a manageable you know intensity, and a lot of people have avoided full. I mean, if people want to go full intensity, push us like do do some um, sled sprints until you can't do sled sprints anymore, and it's not going to take very long, and you will feel intensity like you've never felt before. Oh my
2: goodness! Yeah,
1: you know, here's, it's here's,
0: sorry. Here's, here's a question for Paul. Yeah. Um. So you train early in the morning. Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you ever, in your mind, think? I have to do a full day's work. So I'm going to hold back.
1: Nope. That was a very <laughs> quick answer, wasn't it? Not yeah.
0: even no, It's, it's, it's g- like a genuine question. Like,
1: So
2: if I've had a poor night's sleep, I'll perhaps think after the session, well, it probably wasn't as hard as I would go if I'd had a mm. good night's sleep. And it's interesting to see what happens now because, um, with Toby going to senior school I've changed my hours to accommodate for after school so actually I am now going to do Wednesday session on a Thursday afternoon so I'm not up at 5 o'clock every morning Mm. uh, and I will see what the difference is with that and actually does that make a difference so Wednesdays is generally deadlift day and I know this week it's. A heavy five reps to the barbell, um, <laughs> and certainly gravity is greater first thing in the morning. <laughs> but it comes back to that, the CNS and the social mm. nervous system and allowing you to do stuff. And you know, first thing in the morning, perhaps it's not quite there. You know, the body isn't quite willing, or the mind isn't quite willing to to lift up such a heavy bar or squat as heavy. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But no, I don't think I won't go hard because I've got work to afternoon.
1: Mm. Do do you find it easy to go? Because I I struggle training on my own to go full intensity. I uh, I know I know that I need to have people around me.
2: Really good question. Yeah. I think there are days when there, there's no way I could go any harder than I have done, and there are days where. Ah, so last week it was intervals on the on the row machine and because I'd seen some scores from other people I had that in my mind and probably was trying to push towards that Uh, and I think if I I've had this conversation with with Paul a couple of times if you can go hard on your own (coughs) it puts you in a much better place if you're then going hard amongst other people I think (coughs) being around other people will always lift your performance, potentially. It can overstimulate you, and you know, your state of arousal goes too far, and actually you underperform. It, you can make it go within you, but actually, if you're okay with the people you're around, I think it will generally push you a little bit harder. If Sean and I were doing the same workout, and irrespective of knowing each other, and then if we did it next to each other, I know that the competitive person in me would want to beat him and I would probably put squeeze a bit more juice out if I was next to him.
1: Yeah. And I would well, yeah and that's that's me, but that's something that's, I was yeah. gonna bring up as well because yeah. I'm the competitive competitive thing. Go on.
0: Sorry, on. I'll just say I'd let you in, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's because you're kind. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't do that. Yeah. But okay, that's 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 something that I, I've said all my life. I'm not, I'm not particularly competitive. I'm not. You know. Like when I did gymnastics, I did it because I enjoyed it. We did competitions and things like that. And if we won something, it was great. But that's not why I did it. Skateboarding is, is the antithesis of competitive sports.
2: Because
1: yeah, there's, no, there's no win or lose. I have you know? no
2: desire to do a competition.
1: But I'm competitive. That's that's exactly what I was going to bring up because it's, I see, like I said, I, I, I like progression. Everything I do, I like to see progression or feel progression. And if I was to train in a room with a few people and if I came last in that, but I know that it being in that room, everybody pushed me to go harder than I would have on my own. I'm perfectly, I'm, I'm over the moon with that. And I'll be the first person mm. to high five all of the other guys going, oh my God, if you weren't here, I wouldn't have done that. If you weren't here, I wouldn't have done that. It wasn't about, I need to try and beat them, but I'm, try, I'm trying to either keep up with them or, or stay as close to them as I can, because I know that's pushing me rather than, um, it's, it's, not the, it's not a competitive thing, really. It's just, I know it's going to help me. I know it's I gonna...
2: Self-expectation comes into that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if uh, let's take him, the uh, CrossFit Newcastle. If I was in the competition, if I was training against him and he beat me, I would expect him to beat me. Does that make sense? Yeah. But if I didn't feel that I put in as good an effort as I could do, I would be disappointed. If I put the best effort I could do and he still thrashed me by, I don't know, let's say five rounds, whatever it was, an abstract number. They're like, well, fair enough. There's nothing else I could have given today. I think that's what gets me the most. When I used to play rugby, if I'd had a shit game on a Saturday, I was a miserable bastard on a Sunday. My poor wife, bless her, put up with me and she's like, oh, get over it. It's only a game. It's not only a game.
1: <laughs> that's the worst thing you can say.
2: <laughs> I mean, looking back on it hmm. now, it's just a game. I wasn't getting paid. I wasn't changing the world. I wasn't a role model for anybody. It was just
1: the game. Um, but yeah, that's a grumpy fucker. But that's when it comes down to expectations, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, all it comes is. down to expectations. But then also expectations are a funny thing though, isn't it? Because
0: the example Paul gave there in terms of, I'm going to call Hindley out again. So going back to the CrossFit Open uh, 20.2, Um, which was the um, the burpees over the bar deadlifts. Yeah. Yeah. Deadlifts, burpees over the bar. I watched Hindley complete his, he he finished it under the time cap, and I was next. (laughs) Thanks. Um, I I broke myself, like literally all in, like 100% in, and I didn't get anywhere near Right. I was okay with that I, yeah. I wasn't comparing and I think it goes back to what we said earlier in terms of, in terms of the number on the bar, in terms of what other people are doing, it, it's all relative in terms of what you're looking to, looking to gain from it and if you've put in 100% effort as Paul said like, what more can you give? It doesn't matter what the outcome is you're going to benefit from that
1: Yeah, and I think the frustrating thing is most people know that. It's like most people know uh, to, how to eat healthy. They just don't do it. <laughs> no, we yeah. know. Eat more vegetables, eat some protein, be it animal, but whatever your version of protein is, and don't eat as much processed food. It's, yeah. it's simple. Yeah. But people just struggle to do it. And I think in gym environments <laughs> sometimes, and that's all down to the, the environment that's created within each gym, if you've got a hyper-competitive gym, I'm, I mean, I've, I've, I think we've all done workouts in the past where we've been annoyed. It hasn't gone our way. It, we haven't had the, the outcome we anticipated or expected or someone beat us who you never thought would. Like all these stupid ego-driven things. But you've left the gym in a worse mood than you were when you came in. But now, I'm at the point now where, and I want this for all my members, is every time you leave the gym, you should be in a better mood than when you came in. You know, not just through your performance, you know, and that's why we don't we don't have the leaderboard. We don't push the performance mm. side of things so much. We and when it comes down to what you said earlier, uh, John, about feel, you know, and I'm and we do that. We say they say how heavy, and we'll say, well, how heavy does it feel? Do you think you can put more on? Yes, we'll put a bit more on. Doesn't matter. Mm. Don't count it. Don't say well, I'm going to put one point two five and then two. Just put a bit more on and see what it feels like. Yeah. I'm also I follow a guy called. um I think, did Andrew Tracy speak to him? Yeah, um, DJ Murakami, Strong Camps, his name is. I think he was on the Bulldog podcast. He does some really interesting stuff. Um, and he talks about this whole RPE feel, what's the best one. That is, the best one is the one that feels, that feels right. Some people need those, that statistical RPE scale or percentage for their brains, for their heads to do it, for, to, get in, to get into it. But the feel, he did a little post on the, the feel thing as well, where your feelings can mess with you as well. Mm. You know, you can turn up to the gym one day, and just think, oh, you know, I'm, fe- I'm, I'm, I'm talking yourself into feeling tired. Oh, I do. It's a heavy deadlift day, or whatever it is. It's a day that you maybe put a little bit of fear in. You're a bit worried about. Oh, I don't like lifting heavy. I don't feel. So they will be—they'll be, convince themselves that they don't feel strong enough and therefore not push themselves as hard. But that is so individual and individualistic. That's not a conversation we'll ever have with people in the gym. I was just, I just, his post made me aware of it a little bit because I was 100% into the feel. You know, how does it feel? Mm. How does it feel? How does it feel? Regardless of the load, regardless of the numbers, regardless of the intensity that's that's on the board, how do you feel? And since I've been doing all the the breath work and learning on that side of things as well, I've come realized that Your nervous system can mess with you as well. You can be absolutely fine, but you convince yourself you aren't. So, therefore, you use it almost as an excuse not to work as hard. At least I went to the gym. At least I walked through the door. At least I did some work, which is God better than nothing. Absolutely. You know, something I've been saying lately is consistently average is better than occasionally excellent. You know, so doing (laughs) something small frequently and daily is better than doing something amazing every two weeks, yeah. which is which is what you do see sometimes. The turn that you, you don't see someone at the gym for ages, they turn up on a deadlift day and they're gonna get a new one rep max and then you don't see them again for two weeks. You know, it's, and, and that's, I don't know what's, you don't know what's going on in their life and why, but we will always recommend to people, oh, we haven't seen you for a while, what have you been up to, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, it's a heavy day today. Let's not go too heavy. Let's see how you're moving. Let's see how you're feeling. And we'll go. We'll go
0: by that. We'll play by ear a little bit. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's,
0: it's the variables, isn't it? It's, it's it's all of those variables that exist in people's lives outside of the gym and outside of training. They have such a massive. Well, they, well, they are there. It is people's lives, isn't it? Mm. Like yeah,
1: people, people <laughs> being forget. in the gym.
0: Yeah, being in the gym isn't your life.
1: No, no everything, they forget. everything
0: else is your life.
1: Yeah, they forget that that one hour a day, which is for some people, it's like it's popping the cork on a champagne bottle. Oh, god! All that stress has come out, and like that's great, but it's not healthy for the gym to be your only outlet mm. for those things. But also it's a, some, it's a, but
0: also sometimes that can actually be the thing that that person needs.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> to, absolutely.
0: To cure themselves of the terrible day or whatever they've whatever they've had
1: yeah it is it's so difficult especially since the lockdown and the conversations around mental health Mm -hmm. and all these things which is great more people are talking about it but you know the gym you don't want the gym to be that's that sticking plaster that's the only place i feel i can be myself that's the only place i feel i can i can be free that's the only place i feel i can do these things it's like well you're only there for an hour what some of the other 23 hours of your day so awful that this is the only thing that you feel keeps your mental health, keeps you sane. That's a that's a deeper conversation that any of us are are able to to handle, you know. But then a lot of people are are afraid to take that conversation any further, yeah, because it's it's scary, you know. It's a to have that thing potentially not taken away from you, but to open this can of worms that suddenly, I mean, Andrew, Andrew Tracy had a good um, has had a good point. The last couple of things I've listened to um about doing hard things you know I think I think that's what he said it on when I had a chat then, saying if you're doing Murph you know I think we had a conversation about Murph and I don't do it I just don't do Murph anymore because it just beats the shit out of me and <laughs> I understand why people do it and I totally get it it's just not for me you know um and you got some people who do Murph and they'll do all the hashtags on fallen heroes and hard and blah 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 it's like yeah but you've been posting about it for the last few days and you've been looking forward to it so if you're looking forward to it (laughs) you're not challenging it's not hard you know it's a hard workout to do but if you're excited about it and you're enjoying it then it's going to be much harder for you to sit in a room and meditate for an hour in silence that's going to challenge you you know, if you're choosing to do these things that hard, are they really hard? And that, that was a really good point. That was an interesting angle that I'd never thought about before. And I've done it myself numerous times. And that's why I did that Sisyphus corner, because I thought every one of these workouts is taking me completely out of my comfort zone. Then none of them are particularly impressive. Actually, the, the one thing I did years ago, my, my anxiety was so bad at one point that I couldn't, I couldn't travel more than about four miles outside of where I live. You know, I did something called hodophobia, which is a fear of being away from a central, from your, like, a home, home environment. It uh, just had panic attacks. And we signed up to do the, the fan dance in Penavan, which is the uh, 24 kilometer rock in the winter, up and down and back again. And it was raising money for a member's wife who had breast cancer. So everyone's like, and I'm like, I can't say no to this. I can't say no. I'm just going to have to do it. I'm just going to have to get on and do this. And right up until the night before, I was like, I I can't. I'm just going to have to pretend I'm sick or pretend I'm ill or something. Anyway, ended up doing it. And and I would still say now that that is probably the most proud I've ever been in myself, is completing that, putting myself in a situation that was just immensely uncomfortable for the entire time. But finishing it and then just feeling this... I can't believe I did that, you know? And I think that sensation is missing with a lot of people Mm. because all of the things that they are doing are within within a comfort zone. And I'm not not a David Goggins character at all. I think he's crackers. I think he's absolutely bonkers. He's incredibly impressive, but my God, he's absolutely bonkers. So I'm not saying, right, you need to push your comfort zone everything you do. Absolutely not. But you need to do something occasionally that makes you really uncomfortable. You know, I'm not sure if I'd do it again, but I learned so much about myself. And I think that might be one of the reasons why I like the sandbags, because they're a bit more of a, they're a challenge in a different way. They challenge you very differently, you know, than a barbell, because the comfort of the barbell, you know what it feels like, you know where your hand should be, you know the balance is right. You know it's, you may or may not be able to pick it up, but that's less relevant. Than, than what it teaches you to be just just to try and pick it up because mm. if I try and do a heavy deadlift I can't move and it doesn't move I'm like well I can't move it yeah. with the sandbag it's, it's, it's just different it just does a whole different thing
0: yeah I think I think the illustration of that and going back to what we said earlier in terms of um, whether or not people like the idea of the competitive side of the CrossFit Games the the one where was it is it called Capital, where they were carrying the, yeah. the Husserfeld and up the, yeah. steps, up the steps? Literally, <laughs> they got to the last set of steps, literally couldn't pick the bag up. Yeah. Just literally couldn't find the strength to get their hands around the bag and pick it up. That, to me, illustrated... not necessarily what people should do people shouldn't go to that level but try something that is difficult Mm. that is going to challenge you
1: and you're not sure that you can actually do you're not sure you're going to complete you're not sure the the unknown you know and i know crossfit for years talk about the unknown and unknowable which i'm I'm, these days i'm not really on board with because if you if you don't know what you're training for You know, and that, the CrossFit game side of things, I think they should know kind of the sort of stuff they're going to do. When they introduce something new, it's interesting, you know, Um, but if you don't know what you're training for, how do you train for it? Whereas if you're doing CrossFit as a, or any sort of that functional fitness training as a training methodology to become a better human, then you need that bit of variance. You need that things that are going to challenge you in, in different, different movement patterns, different, um, different planes of motion, all this. there's so much that comes into it that it's not as simple as just, I mean, anyone can program a hard workout. Hard workouts are easy. I mean, I I jokingly say it's easy. It's easy to fill a gym. You just do ridiculous workouts and you'll fill it because people want that To be able to talk to them, friends the next day. Oh my god, I can't believe we did that. Oh my god, we did a ten k run and a thousand burpees, and and it took an hour and a half. You You know, that's it's it's easy. A hard workout is easy, but a a good hard workout for a vast range of individuals of various, you know, abilities. That's when it becomes a bit more, bit more, a bit bit trickier, a bit more difficult. But that's when it gets rewarding and fun because you write a workout and then you've got to think of the fittest person in your gym, the newest person in your gym and everybody in between. And I'm not just talking about scaling movements because that as well doesn't always work. You know, okay, we're doing dead. We'll just go lighter on your deadlift. What if they can't hinge properly? What benefit is that? You know, we tend, I tend to get people just to push really heavy sleds until they, until they can push a triple body weight sled where they've learned the principles of tension from their fingers down to their toes then I give them a bar or whatever it is. And I'll say, right, you know the way you felt pushing that sled, I want you to get that feeling here. And because they've done it and felt it, it makes a bit more sense to them, as opposed to me saying, right, head forwards, hips back, shoulders down, midline tight. There's a million things to do top to bottom. And if all they're doing is responding to what you're telling them to do, they're not necessarily learning anything. They're just responding to a command. You know, the, the goal for us, and I think for most people should be autonomy, is getting to the point where if, if we've got members in our gym 20 years later, without sounding a bit mean, I think we've done something wrong. You know, the idea is to get, if they just love the gym and they're the friends and they're OK, fair enough. But if they're if they're coming to you and they want to become the fittest, strongest, most resi- most resilient version of themselves, they should almost outgrow the gym. And they might move on to a totally different sport. They might start doing triathlons. They might start doing Mm. all because there's there's so much more outside the gym than just getting better at being getting better at being good at exercise.
2: I was going to ask you: Do you have people that come to the gym to train for outside for other sports?
1: Um, Not as many as we did. Some of them. Some of them will be like, oh, you know, we I play rugby with a, a local team every Saturday. But no, that stuff, we tend to keep more individuals. I had a, I had a meeting with a guy yesterday who's a, an ex-British, he's from Swansea, and he's an ex-British uh, championship surfer. And he's got various issues, hips, knees, ankles. So that's more one-on-one stuff. You know, I don't think, if someone wants to get better at their sport, you need to do your sport. If you want to improve your strength to help you get better at your sport, then that's more individualistic because we don't run a structured strength program either through our programming. We have done, but then what if people can't make those certain days? And then, you know, we did percentages five by five, five by three, five by two, building up to ones. We did that for 12 weeks. We've done all that sort of stuff. But the problem being then is people can't commit to the same days and they miss ones. And then the percentages don't matter. And it all becomes a bit messy. So we're like, we'll do, we'll have a heavy day, whatever that is. And heavy set of five something and if it's a deadlift not everyone does a bar some people will do heavy sandbags some people do a sled drag some people will do you know as long as we as long as they're challenging their nervous system to a point where it has to adapt to that and recover and become stronger then in our opinion it doesn't matter really matter what that movement is because like we said at the start we're not trying to build competitive athletes in like bar with barbell movements we just trying to get people stronger and more resilient. So it doesn't really matter how you do that. And we'll mix that up. You know, if someone used a barbell one week, we'll try a sled the next week. So you're changing it up. So they're not always doing the same mm-hmm. thing over and over and over again. Okay. If you notice they're not getting anywhere and they've been lifting the same weight for months on end, right? Well, let's change, let's change the movement, let's change the, the objects, let's change the tempo, let's change there's so much more you can do to elicit that adaptation for that individual and some people just don't really you know without a form of a better word don't really care you know it's not on their (laughs) you know they don't care how heavy they lift they come in and they're like i'm just not feeling it today and we're like that's okay that's fine you don't have to lift as heavy as you can you know if your eyeballs pop out your head it's okay you don't worry about it but But then then it's balance it's balancing it so you don't let them do that every time they come in so they end up just staying the same constantly and I think the difference between gyms, what we do is we're arguably less members than other gyms, but we put more effort into the individuals,
0: mm.
1: you know, because you can't have 200 members and, and have and know everything about every single one of those 200 members. But you can do that with 60 or 80 or maybe 90, you know, and have that more, that have that um, relationship with the individuals, a slightly deeper relationship and knowing when to push them and when to maybe hold back a little bit and when you know, not just a "we haven't seen you for two weeks. Where have you been?" It's more like, you know, how how are you? Like, without going too deep on things, you know, because mm-hmm. I also you also don't want to become the psychotherapist for <laughs> for for eighty people right. because that becomes <laughs> exhausting. It's a it's a give or take from both parties. You know, we expect you expect this of us, but there's a certain expectation we have on you as well. You know, you're not just coming here to purely to do what you like. If you're not feeling it, oh, I'm feeling tired all week, I'll, do, I'll, I'll go half-assed. You know, it's, it, it, is, it is difficult. It's, it's a consistent, and it cons- consistently changes how we feel we should respond to individuals, how hard should we push them. Should we push them at all? You know, that if we push them too hard, will they just turn off and hate it? You know, it's, there's certain individuals who you will just kind of, not leave to their own devices, but they don't respond to being pushed. You know, they'll find their way you're just there to make sure they're doing it safely. Yeah. You know, they just, they just, it's, it's, it is constantly, not necessarily tricky. It's, it's, it's always different. Always different.
2: I'm going to just go back to, um, Sean, you mentioned the capital workout, the CrossFit Games and doing different things. So I think perhaps the problem, I know I go back to CrossFit in some respects, is that people have become too homogenized, too sterilized, and have forgotten the earlier stuff that CrossFit put out. So when we had, mm. we had Paul, Paul on and he talked about Adrian Bosman and the stuff that was going on at, at CrossFit San Francisco, and actually a lot of this is programming that was done by Boz. They were doing back in the early days at CrossFit, and when they did the dumbbell workouts in open Now, actually this is all stuff that's written in the journals from way back same with the sandbags same with the gymnastics stuff I think the risk is people become too tunnel visioned on what things should be as Mm -hmm. opposed to what they could be and there's a big broad base there to tap into
1: does that make sense? Oh, people lost their shit with that open. Absolutely lost their shit with the dumbbells. <laughs> I,
2: mean, we, I get it because they didn't have the equipment. So I think, but beyond that, there was no need to lose your shit.
1: You oh no, we, I mean, we, we were having to buy a lot of gaffer tape and gaffer tape in 1.2 kilo <laughs> plates onto the ends of, uh, of dumbbells. But, oh God, yeah, there was, and it happens almost every year because you have people, where, where's the heavy stuff? Where's the heavy barbell stuff? Because arguably, you know, when I did it, I was never a particularly strong lifter. But that stuff is fun for a while. It really is. Because you see the progression very quickly. Mm-hmm. If you're learning the Olympic lifts or learning the, the, the squats and the deadlifts and the, and, the, and those sort of things, you go from lifting hardly anything to close to your body weight to then into that in a, in a pretty, pretty small window compared to other movements. Compare that to gymnastics. Someone will get a bodyweight deadlift way before they get a pull-up. Someone will get um, a bodyweight cleaning jerk probably way before they get a handstand, a strict handstand presser.
0: Is that true? Is that true? Someone will get a bodyweight deadlift before they get a pull-up?
1: Uh, I'd imagine so. That's yeah.
0: mad. That, wow. That, sorry, yeah. I'm just yeah, there.
1: Partic- well, particularly, yeah. with, particularly with females. And one, one of the things, we had a bit of a, a thing in the gym for a while, this was a few years ago, where we were like, everyone should be able to do a push-up like no unless you haven't got arms or you've got some horrific injury that stops you from doing <laughs> it there's there is no excuse for not being able to do a push up as in, if you have, if
0: you haven't got arms that's a pretty good excuse it's,
1: yeah it's tri- it's tricky yeah. without arms you know it's yeah. i wouldn't it, that's that's massively scaling a presser if suggest, you ask me um,
2: listen to tenacious D's uh, <laughs> album <laughs> i know what you're going to say um, now <laughs> pass the uh, no
1: arms push up <laughs> <laughs> explore that people We'll have to put that song as a as a soundtrack to this. Ah. Yeah. But we had but we, so we went through a little phase of okay, we're gonna do uh, Pavel's freeze the groove thing. We'll do push-ups every single day, not to failure. Everyone works out the most reps they can do, and then you do 70 to 80% of those every time you come to the gym. And there was quite a lot of the girls or ladies who got to the point where they were like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't need a press-up. What's the point? I don't need a press-up. Yeah, we're willing to do cleans. We're willing to do all these other movements, you know. And when we talk about egos, we forget that it's not just people talk about egos with guys. It's not just guys with egos. It's everybody. It's children. It's, it's ladies. It's, it's, we've all got them. And It's not bad. It's just when we just need to know when it's becoming a problem. But it was really interesting to see one or two people say, oh, do you know, I'm just not going to get a press up and I'm happy with that. And then someone else went, Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm with you as well. And you saw it spread a little bit. And to the point where we like, Well, we can't force people to do a press up. That's ridiculous. Like telling people you you can't come to the gym unless you can do a press up. But it was just interesting to see people unwilling to work on the things that give you very small increases compared to the things that give you very immediate feedback and immediate increases. I added one kilo to my clean oh, I picked up this and I couldn't pick it up last week. Whereas with a the press-up, they couldn't see, right, you're going to have to go through the process of plank, eccentrics, shoulder taps, you know, and within, within 12 weeks, you'll do a press-up. And you can do the same with a pull-up. Within 12 weeks, you'll get a pull-up. If you do these, you'll get a pull-up. Then getting, getting to the point, maybe four weeks in of just going, oh, I'm bored of this.
2: I don't. People don't like mundanity and repetition. They like the sexy stuff.
1: Yeah, bit, that's that's strange. I thought I think I think I did a post on it. I was thinking about the other day, what makes one movement sexy, another one not sexy? I'm not sure, sure where that happened and when it happened. You know, because what makes a barbell clean on paper sexier than a sandbag clean? Because they're both basically the same movement. You know, you start in the same posi- similar position, you finish in a similar position you know but you can you can slow motion I suppose you can slow motion a barbell and you have the elbows coming around and you catching it and it's sitting on your shoulders and standing up or like like that but it's the same movement and we've somewhere along the line we've decided these are cool these aren't you know and mm. sandbags I don't think will ever be cool they'll be used and they're getting used way more now than they ever have which is great but there's still an ancillary bit of equipment, an accessory bit of equipment. I'll, I'll but, d- but,
0: but who cares? Who cares what's cool? Exactly. In my in my world, I d I don't care.
2: Yeah. I think, I think if you went if CrossFit never happened, the barbell bar wouldn't be as sexy. Because actually yeah. before CrossFit happened, no one really gave a shit about whether no. they could do a or clean. And maybe it's just the tunnel of the of what we look at on social media because that's the frame of reference we have but a lot of people I know so my patients coming in they wouldn't know what a clean was or a snatch was it's not sexy to them yeah and maybe if the soundbag continues to grow and grow and grow actually it's a sexy piece of kit and if you can clean that 100 kilogram soundbag up onto your chest then actually people appreciate it and at the moment people have a barbell as a frame of reference, but therefore it's easier to, more, to be more identifiable as people become more and more exposed to handbags, then actually that will become sexier. If you go back 10 years and looking at kettlebells, no one was really interested unless they were Russian. That's a generalization. that you watch some of the flows that go on with kettlebells pretty sexy you know some of those heavy snaps is poof.
1: yeah i mean i know that a, a double overhead squat with two kettlebells yeah. you know I've, when I've seen when i've seen photos of people sitting in the bottom of the squat with two kettlebells overhead it looks impressive you know i'm like i'm like damn i wish i could do that you know I, and i know it would take me years to get to that point point. and again am i willing to spend years just to be able to do that movement you know it's 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 funny the whole I think the old the older I get and the more I do this actually yeah the older I get the more I do this the less I do better I hope you know because I'm getting to the point now where I am thinking and not not negatively and anyway I am thinking 20 years down the line I am thinking as I get older you know and the aches and pains I've had through doing exercise Stupid for 12 years is and and skateboarding as well the stuff I did skateboarding is I'm paying for now so I don't want the stuff I do into the gym to be paying for in 20 years time I want the stuff I'm doing in the gym to me when I'm 70 I feel like I do now
2: this is Kev Toonin wasn't it It, it's you know will your future self be grateful for the effort you put in or will it be disappointed in the stuff you slacked off on
1: yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I think, and you know, social media is a funny thing. And, and as much as we all like to think we're not, social media doesn't affect us as much as we think. I think it does. You know, I I find myself if I'm on Instagram and I I end up doom scrolling for twenty minutes or whatever. At some point, I'll get up. I'll get irritated. <laughs> I mean, I'll get irritated with someone I've never met doing a movement with someone I don't care about and going, see, well, th- this is the problem. That's not the problem. That's not the problem at all. Mm. That's just it's just someone having some, doing something that AI makes them feel better, look better, whatever it is. I don't care. I don't know this person, never met them. Yeah, I'm getting irate because I'm like, they should be using this because they'd be better off. I'm like, oh my God, what am I talking about? Mm. You know, it's as much as I think sandbags are brilliant. I, I know I can't force it on people. I also can't say, well, they're better than everything else because I don't know what other people want. You know, they're just another tool and they're a tool that I've decided to use and I've decided to share with more people because I there's huge benefits with them. So all I can do is share the benefits and the good. If I'm trying to pitch them against other pieces of equipment, I'm going the wrong way. You know, if there's not, there's no better. There's no, it's like, okay, you use a barbell, keep using a barbell. But if you've chucked in a couple of carries a week, a front rack carry and a bear head carry twice a week, you might notice that other things start working better. Your barbell starts moving smoother. You get less lower back pain. These things might help. And so, is, if this, you,
2: is this what you've tried to do
1: with the program that you released? Yesterday. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I wanted, it's funny, Steve, because I worked with the Chet Majari, who I mentioned earlier, I, I worked with him last year as a kind of um, business mentor as well. You know, he's one of those frustrating people who says next to nothing, but when he does open his mouth, you just go, oh God, he's got it right again. But, um, <laughs> one of these things is what, what you help people with is what you also need help with for, for a lot of things. And so this, pro- I've written this program for myself. That's what this program is for. But I know there's loads of people around the world who are the same as me, who were maybe of trained for a fair bit of time, have got to a point in their lives, I'm guessing 35 to 40 plus, who, like you said, like said Shauna, less interested on the what's and the whys and the weights and the lows, and are more interested in how it makes you feel and does it improve your life? And and you don't necessarily have to go to the gym to do it. You can do it in your garage, you can do it in all these places. So I wanted it because my training over the last probably two or three years, probably since lockdown has been really sporadic and I've just been playing. I've had no structure. Mm. I've just gone to the gym. and well, what do I fancy doing today? Oh, I haven't done this for ages. Oh, let's try that because I like that. I like to have the opportunity because that's what I looked at skateboarding as it's a, it's a creative outlet. Let's try things. Let's see what we can do here. Let's see what we can do there. But now I feel I need some structure. I need some structure and I need something to fo- a little bit of focus. I mean, the workouts are only 30 minutes max, and you can, you know, I did one in the park today. So it's, and in order, if I want sandbags to permeate all the houses around the world, it's gotta be simple, it's gotta be accessible, it can't be too heavy. So it's all gotta work around those parameters. So that's why I've said, right, it's one sandbag, that's all you're gonna need. And then as you progress and as you get better, you can add a bit of sand to the sandbags. You can add load as you're going along. But, yeah, it's basically, without sounding selfish, it's written for me, but I know there's millions of people out there the same as me who just want to become better, stronger, fitter, more resilient, more youthful, more capable humans, you know. So that's that's basically what it's for. And I wanted it to be really cheap. So, it's again, it's accessible. Money is, especially in the coming months, money is going to be a huge barrier to some people, you know, going to gyms, you know, CrossFit gyms tend to be much more expensive for good reason. You know, they're not expensive just to be expensive. So there's some people are going to have to make some pretty tough decisions, you know, in the coming months. So having something available to them, you know, I mean, I've got a sandbag down here that cost me four quid. That's just a bag of sand wrapped in gaffer tape. And that's what I used during lockdown. You know i've got a 40 kilo bag there but i was like if my whole gym have only got a 25 kilo bag then i need to lead by example and also train with a 25 kilo bag oh my god i learned so much you can really mess yourself up with a light sand you can properly mess yourself up if anything you do two-handed just try doing it one-handed like mm-hmm. a one-handed floor press with the 25 kilo bag of sand a one-handed overhead press a one-handed z press one thing i learned that was absolute killer was squatting but squashing the bag between your hands like that my god it feels like your chest is going to explode so you can introduce all these different things yeah pack stick as well all these things that that's one thing that necessity and all these things introduces you could be so creative with such a small amount of stuff and i think that's what i like that's what i like getting into because i used to do painting and graffiti and i've been quite an artistic creative person for my whole life as well so I think I like to try and bring that into what I do too. You know, so it's, it's just trying to make good, solid, structured programming accessible without being complicated, you know, because the barbell stuff gets complicated, yes. percentages, all this sort of stuff, RDLs, like what, what part of the deadlift do you need to do? Do you need to do the RDL, the stiff-legged? Do you need more good mornings? All these things come in because there's so many nuances within barbell work whereas if you just want hard work that you're still going to get stronger fitter improve certain skill levels i I tell you what's missing in a lot of people's show programming is athleticism you know they don't there's not enough change of direction there's not enough single leg hopping back and forth left and right you know loads of box jumps which people do and most of the crossfit stuff Mm. tends to be on the spot give or take the running and things like that it tends to be very up and down because that's how it has to work in a class environment You've got 15 people in a class. It's difficult to have them hopping back and forwards, left and right and all over the place. It's much safer and easier to have them in their lines, which I like as well. I like that structure of being able to see everybody working together. and I can look at everyone and coach them, et cetera. But yeah, athleticism, the sort of stuff you did as a kid, you yeah. know, climbing stuff, rope climbs, all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. Um. So we uh two hours plus into this and we still haven't mentioned um, so Bagward Daily which you've just been talking about which launched yesterday yes um, I will tag all these things (laughs) in the uh, in the note Um, but so Bagward Daily you've just launched this week
1: yeah yeah and that's it's all done through Train Heroic which is an app and it's workouts five days a week Monday to Friday and I'm trying to do like you said, a structured strength part to it. And the, the idea is you have a sandbag that you can press overhead for between five and eight reps. Because mm. usually for most people, the overhead press is the weakest lift compared to all the other lifts. So if we gauge it on that, and then everything else is going to be based on tempo work and things. But it's all all the workouts are 20 to 30 minutes. They can be done in your lounge, in your kitchen, in your garden. What I, I kind of want to see happening with this is, is to little communities to be created. So a bunch of mates take their sandbags into local park or a bunch of friends take their sandbags onto the beach and they create these mini communities around the world of, cause that's, that's the fun in all this stuff. The most fun I've ever had in my life skateboarding with my mates, you know, training. I think training, that's a big part to training as well, you know, and I'm not great training on my own. You guys do, which I struggle with it a bit. I do it, but I know I struggle with it a bit. Some people are perfectly fine with it. And, know that's what the program is about is you know there's three strength sessions a week two fitness sessions a week um it's going to progress as it goes along every month we're going to have a challenge which is repeated in like six months of the year so we can see progression um it's been a lot of work back end but now it's all all the back end work is done it's the date and it's sent to your phone every day um yeah that's about it and it's also i mean it's nice of you to mention it but i didn't I didn't come on here to plug it, honestly. No. <laughs> but it's 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 just something that I think I think is I'm proud of it. I'm proud of getting the program up and running. Um and I just like to see give people the opportunity to train with sandbags. I mean you could do the program with a barbell if you want to, you know, it's not it doesn't have to be with a bag. But yeah, it's that's kind of my first stage into trying to get more people used in the bags because i've got lots of pdfs i've done that you can download as well but this is the first one i've written in this depth and i like said i'm doing it myself because i can see it's it's aimed at myself knowing how many people like me are out there and if it helps me i can see it's going to help other other, lots of other people
0: yeah it's it's interesting (laughs) you didn't come on come on here plug it um, yeah, we didn't have you on to plug it either. As,
1: as, <laughs> I didn't think I, you would. Yeah, didn't as think you had. Yeah.
0: So if, if we if we had, we would have mentioned it earlier than two hours in. <laughs> exactly. If yeah, if
1: people have lasted this long, then uh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully we've be, I've beaten them down so far that they go, Oh bloody hell all right, I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it's, it's 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 worth it's worth mentioning because I think it's a, a very worthy thing to to mention and people can't benefit from. I think it's oh, I
1: hope so. I sincerely hope so like I said I didn't I didn't just make the program just to sell a program I, I think it's you know I, I I tout it as the best program available online but that's just that's just something to say to to build it up but I kind of believe it as well you know if you don't believe in your own stuff in your own things yeah. then you're not doing it for the right reasons you know but it's you know it's we two and just over two hours in I could go for another two hours, honestly. It's, I'll talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> I know, but I know it's getting late.
2: Oh, it's been great talking to you, Dan. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, no, it's been a genuine, you know, I'm really you know, considering the people you've had on your podcast to talk to. It's been, you know, a real honour because I've been following through, through Andrew and Paul. You know, I've been very aware of, of, of you guys and I've listened to plenty of your podcast episodes in the past, right okay. back from the beginning. You know, and I think Carl Paoli you had on the last one, who's yeah. you know, a pretty interesting guy. You know, his his angle and his 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 philosophical outlook mm. on movement in general is is pretty inspiring to listen to. Very top man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
2: So people can find you bagwad on Instagram.
1: Yeah, Bagwad on Instagram, anti-fragile movement on Instagram, Outcast Wansi is the gym on Instagram um antifragile.co.uk sorry, antifragile antifragilemovement.co.uk and the outcast it's a lot of social media stuff i end up doing every day i've, I've built a rod for my own back setting up all these different accounts <laughs> i tell you what but yeah it's it's uh, you know and my my outlook over the last years has changed and it'll probably change again in the next few years i think if you're not changing and looking at things from different perspectives throughout Then you're not growing, and you're not you're not moving forwards. So it's always that you know I'll I'll probably in two years' time look back at what I've done and gone. Ah, yeah, shouldn't have done that. But that's part that's part of it, isn't it? That's part of the learning process.
0: Totally agree. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much, Dan.
0: Yeah. Very
1: cool. It's been a really really cool to chat, guys, and hopefully we'll chat again in the
0: future.